Welcome back to Kafaro Cast, everyone. Aaron and Frank here. We have two very special guests. We have Matt, Matt Chan. He's back with us, and his wife, Cherie. What's going on, guys? Hey, how are you guys? Hey. <laughs> we're good. We're good. I think the last time we were on, I had mentioned something about it's really hard for me to get my heart rate over 120. Mm-hmm. COVID fixed that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. COVID fixed that. I, I don't know if it was COVID or just not doing anything for a few weeks, but... I did the fire road yesterday. It wasn't, it was not pretty. Well, yeah, we were kind of chatting offline about some of that, the repercussions of COVID. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think everybody that's had it so far has kind of experienced the same thing where it's just like you, you get laid out for well, people that have, that are symptomatic anyway, they, they get laid out for seven days, right? Five, yeah. five, seven days. And really you can't do much of anything. You've got then a little recovery time afterwards and the whole time you're not exercising, getting your heart rate up. And once you start doing it again, it's just like, Ooh, this is not easy. Well, have you got it? I have an immune system of like steel at this point. So no, I have not. Amy did not get it. You asshole. I know. know. (laughs) Nothing. And I have been really bumping up my (laughs) immune system though. I will say who knows if that's working or if I don't know. We had like COVID camp 2020. Everyone had it in our, in our camp. Right. And, um, I didn't, I mean, I figured I had it, um, just, but then I couldn't, I, I went to smell some seasoning. Amy was cooking and I couldn't smell shit. And then I licked my finger. I, All right, nobody eat this because I have COVID and I just licked it. I couldn't taste garlic. <laughs> I couldn't taste shit. So, my germs. Yeah. Um, Throw this out. So we all, we all got it, but it was weird for me on, uh, Abby, uh, is, um, what is she, a pulmonary? Anyway, she... She's a doctor, right? So when I stitched, well, Luke stitched my hand up. She screamed at me about that, like, just call me and I'll do it. Because Luke was half drunk and stitched my hand. So she saw on Jody's social media that I said I had COVID and she was not happy. She called me. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I'm hunting. It's not that bad. You know, I was like, it's way better than the flu. I just take ibuprofen. And she's like, what's your pull socks? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I, it does it on my, my watch. I said, I, I kind of just blocked all that out because I don't want to know. And it, it wasn't good. It was 90, I think, or 89. So it wasn't great. And she, I, we took Evermectin. It's a horse dewormer. We had heard that helps. And I told her that. She was not. I just squirted it on my finger and ate it. You know what? I guess it's supposed to help. She wasn't. Over what did through. it do? That's really funny. Made me shit like crazy. I pooped out a Red Bull can. I, don't, I, I, I mean, it's a dewormer for horses. So I guess it helps. It's supposed to help from getting it I took it anyway so but my day nine or ten when I should have been getting better I packed that deer out yep and I was wheezing like bad enough to wear like an achy I'm like I'm gonna give myself pneumonia I should probably go home so I didn't even tell her I shot the deer because she would have screamed at me I'm like hey I'm going home whatever I'm good and I went home and probably Four or five days later, I started to feel better, but I was fatigued for another week or two after Yeah. That. I mean, your your immune system definitely takes a hit to the point where it's like, you know, the, the fevers, the body aches and all that stuff. And if you, like, if you're still active and not giving it the chance to to fight off the virus, then it's it's just going to get worse. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. it got worse. <laughs> but I went home and it was fine. I mean, who, like long term, I but I would pick COVID personally over the flu. Um I just had body aches and cold chills and we hunted every day. I mean, yeah. we never, I'd take ibuprofen quite a bit because of the body aches and the headaches. Um, did you get headaches? I did. Yeah. It was like 
throbbing. Debilitating headaches. Yep. Like I'd wake up in the morning and be shaking my head like a rhino, like, <laughs> Jesus, what the, I mean, it was painful, yep. but it only lasted like 15, 20 minutes and then they'd get a little better and then the ibuprofen would kick in. But then I got yelled at, I guess you're not supposed to take ibuprofen, you're supposed to take aspirin. Aspirin, yeah. Yeah, yeah I fucked that up. I did, uh, I just did the vaccination and unfortunately had the same exact symptoms for 24 hours, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, you hear, you hear the, the reports of people having the shoulder pain and all that stuff. But I think there's something to, if you've already had COVID and your body has had the antibodies, you know, in there and your immune system is like tuned up and ready to fight this thing. If you get that RNA vaccination, it's the same damn response because they're like, oh yeah, shit. No, we know what to do. Let's ramp this thing up. <laughs> so I'm fucking dreading. Yeah, the, he got laid out from I'm the I'm dreading vaccine. the second one because they say the second one's even worse. Oh. So should I get it even though I've had it? I wouldn't. I, I, I would wait six months and then do it. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I, not like she's at, like you did pull socks. So I bought the pull socks machine and what my blood pressure is. And really what the, the only thing that really changed was my, uh, my heart rate, my resting heart rate's normally really low and it was high. Like yep. when I say resting, I mean, I'd walk up and down the stairs to go to 90. I'm usually my heart rate doesn't. I mean, yep. it takes a lot to get it to 90. Yesterday, doing the fire road, she told me not to go past, I think, 140. It didn't take much to hit that about halfway up. I <laughs> yeah. was like, and normally, here I, I am. Yeah, I don't hit. It takes a lot for me to hit 140. It'll come back, but I'm, I live at 10,000 feet, so that helps in the sense of obviously getting used to the, the altitude. But even doing supersets, like I filmed some this weekend, usually I can knock out supersets and not – it was ugly. Like, and I remember telling you, I'm like, yeah, it takes a lot for my, I, I'm like, oh man, if Matt was here, he'd be laughing. Cause my, <laughs> I make my front teeth were going numb that I was getting so winded. I was like, fuck COVID. This sucks. Yeah. But it'll come back. I got to good. see uh, some of those Instagram stories that that device that you were using, that's like a treadmill with a farmer's carry. Yeah. It's added, a bitch. What it's is that, that called? The hit mill X. That's pretty cool. So that's the one Rogan brought up like first thing on the podcast okay so i i took who owns kafaru with me chad on a goat hunt and as a thank you he bought that thing for me no and kidding. so it, it showed up trying to get that thing in the basement was not cool um but <laughs> i you know it doesn't have a it, it's built for abuse because it doesn't have a machine it doesn't have a, a engine and so there's a break on it so you can do like truck pulls where you can lower it down and then drop into a four point stance and then you can do the farmer carries so i did that 20 minutes farmer carries i wasn't worth a fuck for like an hour I normally and i i had a 50 where the 40 pound weight vest on and then i just did 45 pound shrugs it yeah i got a ways to go from where i was it was <laughs> depressing amy was laughing because i was starting to snot pretty you know what i mean i'm like yeah this isn't good but it'll it'll come back but yeah that that machine's it, i highly recommend it yeah I mean, it's an ass kicker you can do you can do shoulder shrugs with it obviously but generally like farmer carries um i just do like anywhere between 90 to 45 on each side and then if if my hands get tired i'll just put on you know grips or straps but it it's a kick in the balls yeah because I mean, that's got to be the limiting factor once you're on it for a bit is just your grip goes. Yeah. And in my, I got relatively weak hands to begin with. So I have hooks and I just hook those up and I'll, I'll use those for, because my hands, like even deadlifting, if I'm, if I'm doing like long, like four or five sets of 12, like straight leg deadlifts, um, my hands, they'll give out. Gotcha. I, that was my weak point when I power lifted too, is my hands, like my hands would give out far before my body, which was depressing. Cause I deadlifting specifically, there were times where I knew I could beat a guy just deadlifting, but I got hands of a 
three-year-old fucking girls. It's, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> and I've broken them most multiple times, so that doesn't help either. But did that? Did you, when you got COVID, was there injuries you had that hurt more, like when a storm comes in? Because there was shit that I had injured that was hurting a lot after well, I got COVID. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if uh, if it's related, but definitely like the first symptom other than fatigue that I had was uh, was the body aches. And my back was just, I mean, it felt like I had done a poor one rep max deadlift. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Where it's just like, it's just lit up and it's like, oh, I fucked up yesterday. But I mean, that's when I started to put things together where it was like, okay, so I've been tired for three days. My back hurts so bad and I didn't do anything. Your lower back? Yeah. That's what killed me was my lower back. In the morning I'd wake up and I couldn't grab my shoes. Yep, like exactly. I'd just have to squat down to get them. Yep. You got anything to add, Frank? <laughs> Frank, you haven't uh, had it yet, right? No, I did. Yeah, no, I got it uh, before he did. I had it around. You probably gave it to me, you dick. No, I had it. I had it like a month, a month yeah. and a half before you did. He came into work and he was like, you know, I think I've got the sniffles. No. And I'm like, well, the sniffles of today are different than the sniffles <laughs> yes. of a decade. Get the fuck out of here! Totally. Me. He made me go home right away. <laughs> but yeah, that that Sunday before that, I came into work. I was like sore in my shoulders, but we went snowboarding, and I thought that's what what it was from. Like that evening, I kind of felt just like tired. And I got to work, and I that's all I had was the sniffles. And then my my quads started hurting a little bit. And you're like, dude, you need to go home. <laughs> so I went home, and on the drive home, my whole body just started. It was like 15 minutes. I yeah. was in complete body aches, um, knees hurt, all my Ooh. joints hurt. Uh, I went to bed for like four hours and woke up, and I was just like, I was way sick. So Chad, he's a guide, uh, and he cooks for us at, at uh, Top of Texas down in the Davis Mountains. And he's, he's a professional fly fisherman. He runs a an outfit in Alaska and he kept talking about his genetic superiority. He, he wasn't going to get it. And, and, uh, I can't remember. I had, I remember we went to the gas station. That's the only thing there's nothing down there. And usually I'll grab like a quest bar or whatever. Well, I grabbed nutter butters and I ate them and I'm like, that's the dumbest shit. I, I couldn't, none of the goodness came out of the nutter butter. All I got was the, I couldn't taste shit. So we go back and I had bought like, uh, some jerky and it was super strong. And I'm like, I'm not going to eat this because it had cheese in it. I'm like, this is bad. And I threw him to to Chad, and he started chewing on it. He's like, I think my genetic superiority failed. I can't taste shit. Oh, he no. had went over, and he grabbed the seasoning, and he was like, yep, I got I got COVID now too. So it affected me and him. Worse, Scotty got the sniffles and nothing. That was, that was yeah. it. So everybody's different, I guess. Yeah, the guys at work, uh, so we're, we're participating at work, uh, you know, at, at North Metro Fire. Um, we're participating in a serology study. Uh, I think it's being run by DU and they're basically doing a bunch of testing with, you know, any participant that is willing. Uh, and they're trying to see if first responders are, you know, more prevalent, uh, COVID-19, how long it lasts, how long do all three of the antibodies last? Um, when, when does it stop generally? Uh, and now they're, starting to put in the vaccinations, you know, like how does that affect if you've had it, if you haven't had it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, I'm learning a lot about it. Like the last test I did was seven months after, uh, my, my first positive test with COVID and I still have the all three antibodies, but they said, you know, it's supposed to end right around six months. So that's why I did the the vaccine when I did just cause it's like, you know, Hey, this is seven and a half months now. There's a good chance I don't have it anymore. Um, but boy, oh boy, I mean, that was rough. Yeah. Well, it's weird because Frank is, well, 
I'm using this time now to, to so I can kick Frank's ass because he's down and out because he broke it. What'd you break? Separated my AC joint, my shoulder. Oh, God, okay. Grade three. So this gives me a couple month window to to, to get back ahead of him. Um, you got pretty much your ass kicked for 10 days and then we're good, weren't you, for COVID? Yeah, I got to say though, like I feel like it was also kind of good for my body to take a break from working out because I, I came back to working out the following week and I like PR'd my power clean front squat back squat all that shit so i don't i didn't i Looking was back i i don't have the same view the second week i was sick I, I have the echo bike at home so i rode it a little bit and it just it crushed me so I, I took you know whatever five days off after that but going back to the gym i don't know i felt i felt solid i didn't have like i didn't feel like i lost any any uh Anything cardio-wise or strength-wise, really. Oh, I lost some shit. It was Amy was making fun of me because usually I'll do like 30 push-ups, 50 crunches, 30 dit, and I'll do three sets or f- fuck, like, like third set. I'm just wheezing. Like she was making fun of me. She's like, you're going to have to kick it into gear, fatty. I'm like, I'm telling you, holy shit, because I don't normally get that winded. And some of it's from being at the 10,000 feet, but it definitely, whether it was COVID or living the whitetail life too long or whatever i definitely have a little ways to go to get back where i was at <laughs> well I, I mean honestly uh shri and i used to live at ten thousand feet nine thousand something and i feel like there is a point of diminishing returns of living at altitude yeah you know i mean you're you're going to fatigue faster than somebody that's at five thousand feet yeah and i think there's a training effect that you are never going to garner because you can't push yourself that far uh, because there is less air. Well, I, that's what I told Amy yesterday when we did the fire road. I'm like, let's not do cardio at the house because she drops me off at whatever that chicken is, whatever the hell, I don't know, two to four miles down the road. And then I usually do 50 pounds and then she'll cook dinner. And so my fat ass has to get home to eat. <laughs> and, uh, it's a good, it's a good mo- motivating factor, but I can't go as like, especially now I can't, I get, I get so winded. I have to walk slow to where I'm not really getting much benefit. Where at the like the fire road, I mean, hell, it's what three thousand feet lower, I guess. So I could push it a lot harder. Yeah, that was my reasoning behind it. Could also could have been because I was being a bitch and I didn't want to <laughs> well, be I that think, winded. <laughs> I think they say that anything like above six thousand is where you start. Like you don't actually hit muscular failure anymore. It's all respiratory. Yeah, and so you're like Matt said, you're never gonna hit your actual potential above six thousand. Yeah, the only yeah. good thing about it is when we go hunt anywhere else. I'm like, that's never an issue. Oh, I have so much oxygen. It's like, I'm going to get a headache from two. Like when we were in Alaska, <laughs> I didn't, I don't know that I, my heart rate got over 90 on the hike in. I, I, well, you were in the same boat, weren't you? You didn't even yeah, sweat. We felt, I mean, I sweat from the humidity, but <laughs> dude, I, coming from here and going to Alaska, you felt like a, almost like a God or something I, like Superman. Cause you just, you just go and go and go. And it's just like the mountains here as far as steepness goes. And you just, you never get tired. I it's amazing. Bad for the guide. Like. When I hit that goat and it climbed that mountain, I'm like, we can make that in 45 minutes. And he looked at me and I was like, <laughs> I can make it in 45 minutes, you know? And it wasn't a bragging thing. It was just like, I never got winded ever. Like no matter what, it didn't, didn't matter. But we were at 1800 feet or I was going to say, are so. you starting like almost at we're, sea level? We we're started at sea level. Yeah. 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 And hiked up from there. But uh, that that's an advantage, I guess. But Huge. as far as. I definitely am hitting, having respiratory issues, like when I'm doing supersets far more than muscle failure, um, yep. just get winded, but yeah, I don't know. At some point in time, I'll probably have to give it in and try to do CrossFit, but I don't want to get made fun of, so I'll have to go to a gym you guys don't go to and get, get good <laughs> at it and then dive in. Uh, the, the rower I have down, we have, we Did bought a rower. Did you guys get an echo bike? 
Uh, no, we didn't get that. We bought that. I don't know, whatever the Bowflex Revolution oh. thing, and so we have that hit mill and then uh, the rower. Uh, I don't. How much do you guys use a rower in CrossFit? Is that a lot, shit? all the time. Yeah. yeah, a lot. I try to copy what you were saying, where I do sixty seconds like a madman, and then you know flip over and do push it. Yeah, well, that doesn't work when you have COVID at ten thousand feet. I a minute, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna take a ten minute break before I can do shit. It's bad. I not have a pity party, but yeah, right now we're in a like a workup to a sixty minute row. Oh Lord! At, at oh aerobic my God, my ass would be fucking. It is, dude. It doesn't matter how much preparation <laughs> you do. You hit minute forty, and it's just like I don't know if I can sit here for another second. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, the rower is great. I mean, we, right now we're doing two we, two days a week of of rowing, and it's one day of kind of long slow. Uh, like last last workout I did was fifteen minutes, ten minutes, five minutes, with mm-hmm. a little bit of rest in between each. And the goal is to stay at an aerobic pace so that you can kind of prepare your aerobic capacity for that 60 minute row. But at the same time, uh, we, we do a kind of VO two max development row. And that's what like you described where it's like a 60 second sprint followed by a recovery period. And I think, you know, what's cool about the rower is you can hit both energy systems, both anaerobic and aerobic, um, and that's what makes it so versatile. And there's a little built-in rest there. So it's not like being on a treadmill yeah. where it's just like you're, or an echo bike where you're just constantly being punished. You get that little return phase where it's like, okay, I can rest and go a little slower here. My ass cheeks go numb. If I, I got to, that's the only, Mike, I'm doing something wrong. Cause after 15 minutes, my legs start to go numb from however I'm sitting. So I think you're probably doing something right then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's pretty normal when, when people, you get used to it. Yeah. It's when people say that they, uh, when they're rowing, that their arms are getting tired. It's like, well, you're probably, definitely not doing it right. Yeah. Literally like my, I don't know if it's the femoral or what, I don't, whatever it hits my feet start to go numb after about 15 minutes and I mean you can make it the next five but now I, I quit doing the 20 I kind of copied you guys I don't do more than five now and then I, I mix it up but when I go from the rower to that hit mill x I'm if I do like 45 I'm not worth a fuck the rest of the day like it kills me yeah um, I mean it, it like if I do it with I do the hit mill x with a weight vest on I usually, I hate to even admit this. I have to nap like an hour later. Like if I, if I sit to watch TV, I'm going to fall asleep. You're out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll all come back though. Um, it happens this way every, every year during the winter. I go it's down bulking season, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whitetail fit. Yeah. That's the problem with whitetail hunting is, I mean, other than losing weight from freezing your balls off, you eating ho-hos and ding-dongs. I mean, Scott eats pretty healthy, but you know, when you, Stop at the gas station. The like I get Quest bars and crap, but it's still not great. But why well, Quest bars bad? No, no, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I was just giving Sheree a little wink because we had our first exposure with whitetail hunting down in uh, North Carolina this year. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we, we were in this one stand for three hours, and I think Sheree slept for two hours and fifty nine <laughs> minutes. Strap in tight. Yeah. yeah, and then we 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 actually got exposure to a something I didn't even know existed. Uh, these guys were hunting whitetail with uh foxhounds yeah. with gps have you seen yeah. this yeah yeah that's not it's frowned upon in a lot of areas yeah. i'm sure it is <laughs> Shree and i were both like uh okay this yeah. is a little bit <laughs> i was different. i was a little traumatized yeah yeah they push them and it's like a drive from what i understand i've never done it remember when we went uh was it rabbit hunting rabbit hunting in alabama they take that shit serious man they got a whole different language what the hell were they saying <sighs> I can't get, 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 I don't know. It was, it was, we were just like trying well, to stay out of, of people's, uh, 
We didn't like want to shooting shot. lanes. Line of fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was <laughs> what eight shot. of them. It was eight dudes and from the day eight brothers from the deep south. Yeah, and they had a different language to begin with. Plus, there's a dog language, and so Frank and I are like, what the fuck is he? What do they have? Oh, yeah. Was it beagles? Beagles. Yeah. 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 Oh my god, it was just pure chaos. We're walking all over the place trying not to get shot. Yeah. I don't think we anybody shot a, a single <laughs> rabbit. Well, so that's what that's was our question. It was like you know, okay, so there's 20 guys out here. There's five dogs a piece. So there's a hundred dogs out here running around. Um, I, I mean, so the one opportunity we had, we had a clear shooting lane at about 200 yards and he's watching the GPS and he's like, okay, get ready here. Here, here they all come. <laughs> and it's like, okay, all right, I'm ready. And then the fucking deer passed at like 30 miles an hour. He's like, why didn't you shoot? It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Hit it in the ass, maybe. But yeah. he, I mean, honestly, like what we've what we experienced and like asked questions about is like, how often are you guys even successful doing this stuff? And they're like, yeah, they get maybe two, three a season. Um, so I mean, it's more about those dudes just going out there and hanging out and yeah. having dogs, having and, their community. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The the white we. I mean, there's a reason sixty five to seventy percent of the hunting community is whitetail. In I'm not saying it is extremely dip before I get any hate mail. Very difficult to fill, kill a five and a half year old white tailed bait or not or any, but you can be fat and kill one. Yeah. There's no way around it. You can be, I mean, if you can climb your fat ass in the tree stand, you're, you're going to kill it. If you get in there and the wind's right, you can't do that. Like you're not going to go kill a mountain goat and, and be a hundred pounds overweight. So white tail hunting does cater a little more to the un, unfit. Yeah. You can like Lander eats relatively healthy when we're hunting out in Alberta, um, except the nachos. You can talk about it. no. What was it? <laughs> it was nachos. No, no, there was something else. Oh, we were supposed to have beef broccoli. Stroganoff. Stroganoff. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just beef. <laughs> it was just like noodles and water. Or <laughs> yeah, something. Oh, I forgot the stroganoff <laughs> sauce or whatever it was. The seasoning, remember? But well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But when you whitetail hunt, you know, generally you're not eating the the healthiest, and you're not doing shit for eight to 12 hours a day other than, than sitting. How long did you guys hunt for? Oh, we were just there for two days. Uh, it was, uh, uh, country strong. You guys remember that from the Titan games? He was, oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, he, so he was, uh, he invited us down for Thanksgiving and, you know, we didn't really have plans with my family because they were still quarantined to their house and my, my folks are a little older. So, um, yeah, we took him up on it and he's like, yeah, bring your gun. We're going we're gonna to do some whitetail hunting. <laughs> it's like, all right, it sounds like fun. Yeah. The whitetail hunting thing, you generally, your walk is two to 400 yards if you don't get dropped off. That's what we had. Yeah. yeah by, a tr by a truck. And then you just sit there and it's more mental, you know, sitting, sitting still. Right. But the, the, the health portion of it, a little, little rougher. It's hard to eat healthy whitetail hunting for too, too long, especially if you don't have discipline and there's cookies. I don't know how many cookies I ate in Alabama, but <laughs> they had a, we had uh, muffins, those little baby muffins, yeah. muffins, cookies, uh, Twinkies, Oreos. See, none Moon of that pies. even sounds like it's worth it to me. Uh -uh. Like, like, but it's at a point you're not, you're like bored eating. It's no. at a board. Like, you're just sitting there. The and problem like, is, yeah, is, you walk was, by. It was in the hallway. So when you walk by, it's like, and you go to the, the checkout, there's all this shit. Right. Oh, I have to grab it. There a it is. Just well, eat it. Then 14 trips later, I've had 32 <laughs> yeah. fucking chocolate chip cookies. It's, yeah. it's not good. White, <laughs> white bread, um, yeah. rolls. Just, like, yeah, just terrible shit. And then you we feel like to, crap. Yeah. We went to I, a that's restaurant, had fried bread was it fried i don't know dude bread. i shit off the tree stand because i've never had that much <laughs> greasy food i'm not i mean i've told this story before we all you can eat it like yeah they deep fried bread Everything deep fried okra fried, yeah well i've never had that much grease in my life i'm in the tree stand and 
lubed up. I'm not going to make it out, so I had to hold on to the center pole, shit off the stand, because I, I wasn't going to make it. <laughs> oh, and so God. then I'm like, he's not going to put me in the, I'm not telling anyone, right? He's not going to put me in this stand tomorrow. Sure shit. It takes a left turn. Man, there's been a big buck. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to see anything, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to get in the stand and not, but greasy food. I'm that deep fried bread. It was good. I'm not going to lie. It was deep fried oh. cornbread, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that sounds yeah. good. But the lady said at the one place we ate, people have had heart attacks at, <laughs> while they're eating. So it's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the, the skinny chicks? She's like, we've had people die here. I was like, hmm, maybe. Sounds like, a, sounds like a balance of pleasure and pain. Yeah. You're like, how much pleasure do I want and how much pain can I handle? Well, that's the South, I guess, right? I mean, everything's deep fried down there. But Pretty much. Yeah. Seemed like it. We probably should start start talking about fitness or, and, and dieting <laughs> rather than yeah. Alabama deep fried food. Um, <laughs> Good segue there. Yeah, exactly. So so when we talked to Matt before, he had said you are the... The, the the dietitian of the the family. I I'm not a registered dietitian, no, but well, I definitely your... am a nutrition coach, and gotcha. I do a lot of like I've coached people for a long time. Yeah. Okay. For so sure. she has higher level of, l- levels of certifications than I have. I'm gotcha. a super geek when it comes to learning about that stuff too. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I would say our demographic probably consists of, for the most part, not everyone, but I would say sixty percent of our demographic probably should drop thirty pounds. So it's perfect. I, we, well, you've been a fireman for ever basically I yeah, don't know, like 15 years now so like I work construction we have a lot of guys that work construction and when I was when I was bulking up and powerlifting, I had a little bit more I brought a Coleman cooler because I was a big bastard and and you know I had a little bit more method to the madness but for the most part people are grabbing donuts in the morning on the way to work um, Randy cooling I'm talking to you um, diet coke things like that and rewinding to my fat kid uh, days a lot of sugar, a lot of things. And, and, and as, as you learn dieting, about the time you think you know what you're doing, it seems like I've, I learned that I didn't know shit, you know, kind of in it the middle It all changes, right? Yeah, and I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm learning, you know, as time goes on. But, like, general, like, as we kick this off, what would your, for the average pipe fitter, electrician, whatever, that needs to drop 20 to 40 pounds, what would your advice be to, to them? Like, for, for dieting, just some general things for them to look at out of the gate. I'll tell, start with a story because after you had a, the podcast with Matt, I had a family reach out in Washington who had listened to the podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, they have both since lost 100 pounds. Oh, awesome. So they were, they fit in the demographic that you're talking about. They mm-hmm. were exactly that. And all we did was we got all the processed food out of their diet, Yeah. started eating real food. Okay, so break. This is one thing I learned. Processed food to us now explain what processed food is because I got that question a lot and I'm like holy I didn't even think to explain what processed food is (laughs) so So, like does it grow do you kill it Mm -hmm. like if if it's something that it is in its natural state go for it Mm -hmm. that anything else is processed in some way so vegetables fruit nuts meat yep yeah fats oils all that stuff some oils anyway and we just started balancing it like I found that most people don't eat vegetables yeah you know what what about like cheese and dairy and stuff is that considered processed or is there like a happy medium with cheese? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's kind of in the middle. And I find people can be really successful with cheese and dairy and other people can't. It kind of depends on whether or not they have like autoimmune and stuff like that. So most people can have like a moderate amount of dairy and be totally fine. You just consider that your meat. So to to kind of rewind through, because I went like fit to fat to roid it out to somewhat fit. Did and you really? So, 
Do you have oh. a photos of that? I'd love to see that. Yeah, I didn't know Kaylee showed McKenzie. <laughs> sure, I was a fat fucker, like butt crack <laughs> coming out of. Well, I got out of the army. I was probably one ninety. Ran every day, but you when you run every morning and you can kind of eat. You know, I wasn't by any means a six pack, but I was, you know, one ninety or. Well, something. you're also very young at the time, right? Yeah, that and that has a big plays a big yeah, part in it. So it really does. then I got out and I kept eating Butterfingers and Mountain Dew and. I think I got up to 260, um, probably just fat, f- fat, fat. And I'll, I'll see if I can pull up a pictures in a minute. And then I remember going, I was with Mark Smith, and I ran after an antelope, and I, I puked. And I was oh, like, geez. Jesus, I'm a fat fucking piece of shit. What is wrong with me? So I, you know. The self-hatred is so great. You had like a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> well, and, you know, I get yelled at for fat shaming, and I'm like, hey, it worked for me. You know what? Best way to not be fat is people telling you you're a fat fuck all the time. Fixed me. I got, you know, I'm like, okay, I need to I need to work on this. And I still make fat jokes constantly because it keeps me in, in check. Well, I was the normal guy that worked construction, and I'd go to work and stop at the store, grab a donut and a Mountain Dew, and head to work, and at lunch, go grab some shitty sandwich or Arby's or whatever. It, it adds up quick. I think I gained in eight months, I think I gained 60 pounds. Um, and I'm a is it endomorphic? What's the fat kid body type? Yep. Yeah. Endo. I'm an endo. Um, but then I, I I started the gym scene and started lifting. And then I, I met, um, a ba- her name's Erica. Well, I don't know what her, Bussy was her name, Busey before. And she was a figure fitness model. Or so she got me on the right track uh, to helping right or, or what, like i would get a salad and then i'd pour cheese and dressing all over it you know I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what is this it's good it's salad well there's seven thousand calories of ranch dressing on it it's so funny you know or the chips you'd go and bread bread big one yeah like you go and it says nine multi-grain what and it if it doesn't mold you shouldn't eat that shit like that's the way i look at it so those kind of things when people like i'll go they'll say hey will you come to my house and look at my you know what i've got and I'm like, get rid of all of it. And they're like, what? <laughs> Empty like, the cupboards. Every, everything you have is bad. Everything. And I'm like, if you go to our house, and I don't know about yours, like, I can't put anything bad because I'll eat it. Like, I'm Same way. Re- Same way. Really bad. So we pretty much just stick with, we'll eat. There's some almond flour crackers we'll eat with, like, whatever. But within reason, Amy's way more of a Nazi than I am. Most people, though, don't even know where to, to start. So after my spiel there. Why don't you go over, like, when you, you talked about processed, but noodles, you know, are noodles bad? You know, the, the one thing I, I'm like, if you're a, a super fit person, you can get away with a little bit more than someone like, like an endomorph. Do you want to kind of dive into some of that and different I, scenarios? I think one of the biggest things that, like... Um, this is, him. I don't want to be an asshole. Can you scoot closer to the mic? No, no, I'm that's sorry. okay. I speak <laughs> kind of slow. I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that this is bad and this is good. So you're like, well, t- let's talk about noodles. It's like, well, n- no, noodles aren't bad. Mm-hmm. It's all about like, how much are you having? How often are you having it? And what shape are you in? Right? Like, I mean, Matt could go have a spaghetti dinner tomorrow night. You won't feel great the next day, but it's not going to affect him negatively in his health and fitness. Whereas somebody who's sort of like eating that every day and that's their staple, you're probably not working towards your best self. So I'd say where to start, triple your vegetable intake, triple it. Yeah, we, that's a great place to start. Really easy way to do it is just kind of use the hand eye method. I mean, you've probably heard this before. You know, if you, for men, if you eat two palms size of, of meat at every meal, women, it would just be one. Um, well, the vegetable equivalent of that would be, what is it, tree? Uh, it's your fist. It's, yeah, so men yeah. would have two fist size servings of vegetables at every meal. And most, most guys that I know don't do that. Um, 
Most people only and women do it would at just dinner. Have one. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do it for their breakfast, their lunch, their snacks. They only are doing it at dinner. And they're like, well, I'm doing it. Look, my dinner. I'm like, well, that's one small portion or percentage of the meals that you're actually having. So yeah. so dive in a little bit to like we you said pasta and you know the where you're at and your your fitness level. The the one thing I, I tell people and, and I only, you know, pretend to be know what the fuck I'm doing on a podcast, but it's cut out <laughs> sugar. Um processed foods, um, sugar and sodium to, to try to keep that. And the one thing I try to make sure they understand is like, if you've ran a hundred miles, yeah, you don't want to cut out, um, you know, some things or sodium or whatever, but out of the gate, if you're, you know, two forty and six foot cut out sugar, lower sugar anyway, so sodium and processed foods. Do you want to dive into that a little bit? The sugar or sodium thing? I would say that if you are eating, uh, meats and vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds, you're naturally eliminating sugars and sodiums. And so you're getting the amount that you need out of the food. Like everybody always asks me the question about fruit. Well, isn't that sugar? Yeah, it's sugar, but it's also sugar in its natural form with fiber and a bunch of other stuff. So it's not the same thing. So I'd say you're eliminating that if 80% of your actual intake is from meat, vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds. And then you don't have to worry so much about those things because it's happening naturally Mm -hmm. the way that you're eating. Yeah, so the question like uh, the the breads, the uh, the pasta, rices, stuff like that, the easy carbs, right? Um, that most people incorporate into their diet. Like if you're using that hand eye method, the one the one measurement for that is a cupped hand. So um, if you can fit, let's just say, you know, we were talking about beef, beef stroganoff earlier, and you have noodles <laughs> and beef stroganoff. So many things in beef stroganoff <laughs> for a, for a, gro- a grown man. That's two. Uh, cupped hands of, of pasta. So if you think about that, that's really not a lot of pasta and everybody overdoes the quantity of that. But if it does fit in those two cupped hands, then there's no reason why you can't have that. Um, but like Sheree said, generally it shouldn't be the staple of your diet. It should just be something that you're adding a little addition to. Um, so for example, uh, I was at the firehouse, uh, last uh, yesterday and one of the meals that we had, um, was a, pot roast and they, and they did like a, a vinegar based, uh, pickled thing with it. Um, and the guys put the pot roast on uh, a big, basically loaf of bread, you know, and then put cheese over it. Well, I just, I just skipped that because I figured the potatoes and stuff like that, that was in the slow cooker, that's my dense carbs. I don't need additional dense carbs, um, for this meal. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the decisions that are hard to make on the spot. But if you go into it with a plan, like, Okay, hey, you know what? I see that I'm a uh, that you know on the menu is, you know, bread and potatoes. I'm going to make a choice between one of the two. Yeah, see, and I, I mean, we eat Ezekiel bread. Um, I think it's called sprouted. Yep. Amy does yep. the shit right. And I just do what she tells me. But um, but we don't do a ton of carbs. And since last night she made sweet potatoes, um, and we had asparagus and an, an elk. But we we you know my issue is um. Like Frank's good. He brings food every day. I used to do that shit and I've lost um, all hope. So like this morning, I grabbed a Quest bar from the gas station. Not the best thing in the world, but I've tried to get to where I'm not eating in the morning. I try to wait till like 10 or 11 where before, and again, there's the bro science shit and everything, you know, what I remember Arnold talking about, he was doing these twisted things, basically Arnold presses, Arnold presses yep. just to see if anybody follow along and, and now they it's did. kind of become a staple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of things I heard when I was powerlifting from people who didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And some people I did, um, where now it seems to be pretty like the fasting thing is, you know, it's science-based science-based. Right. So the problem with me is binge eating cause I'm a fat kid. And so I don't, 
push it because I know the repercussions of waiting too long to eat for me because then I'll eat everything at the gas station on the way home. So I keep it in moderation. This morning I was hungry. We worked out quite a bit yesterday, so I just grabbed a Quest bar, and I actually just grabbed a chunk of steak this morning and <laughs> ate that. The thing that I noticed, and Frank, I'd be interested you dive in, but like you take uh, our buddy Randy Cooling, super good dude, um, or most people – the plan, right? They don't really have a plan other than they want to try to diet and they have kind of an idea, but then it falls apart because it's not a really, would you say the right word, regimented? It's not. So you have this this plan, but you didn't prep for the plan. So you didn't pre-cook meals. So dive into that a little bit. All the bonuses of pre-cooking meals, maybe what they should look at, what, what time they should eat. And, and I say this is not a, somebody at your guys' fitness level, somebody that need, is a striving to get to a higher fitness level and lose some weight. Should people fast? Should, you know, pre-cooking meals? How much should they focus on that? What should that pre-cooked meal system kind of look like? The number one thing that make my clients fail is not prepping ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I'd say we, we have this battle between our willpower, our habits, and how planned we are. Mm -hmm. It's not really about whether or not you know what to eat. It's that you haven't planned, you have a bad habit that you're sticking to. And you don't want to keep battling your willpower because you're battling it in other things throughout the day that have nothing to do with food, whatever that might be. So I would say that prepping is probably more important than any other habit that people do because it's the only thing that's going to keep you on track to create a new habit and not make you rely on your willpower. Well, that, and that, that really resonates into the whole health and fitness world where not having a plan is a plan to fail. You know, I mean, Louis Simmons said it best, you know, years ago, and that applies to his powerlifting crew. The same is said for nutrition. And I fall guilty, Aaron, I'm sure you do too, Frank. It's like, if we, if we aren't, if we aren't uh, like looking at the day as a whole and like, okay, th I'm going to do this at this time. I'm going to have breakfast at 8 a.m. I'm going to work out at 1.30 p.m. So that means I need to have a lunch before that so that I have a little bit energy to work out. Yeah. I'm going to have... Uh, my next meal at 3 p.m. And if you have a plan based on like just rough guidelines of what you're going to eat throughout the throughout the uh, day, then you're gonna you're gonna be more successful. I, I want to use your point real quick first, where you're like, I had some steak and then a Quest bar. I'd say an easy fix to that because you weren't planned. Eat the steak and grab an apple. Yeah, and and I I'm bad about. I that. mean, but that's yeah. a, that's <laughs> like a you don't have to think about it or prep for that, right? Yeah. Well, and the the good thing is um, when I say I'm bad about that. Um, I am much more apt for whatever reason now to eat vegetables than I am fruit. And a vegetable isn't as easy as a fruit for most people, meaning you can grab an apple or an orange. I guess you could grab a... You grab some baby carrots. I think that's the one that people will easily grab versus other vegetables. Like yeah. grab a handful of baby carrots and go. And I use, when I first started dieting, I would worry about all the things probably that people ask you guys, like fruit. Is the this nuances. Bad? And then now I'm like, it's fruit. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to work out later. It doesn't affect me where when I was a fat bastard trying to get skinnier, I'm like, my God, should I eat this? Should I not eat this? Well, what ended up happening for, for, for me, you're a lot more disciplined as you, you binge eat. You, you, you wait too long. And I asked a, um, a dietitian at one point, I'm like, hey, if I've missed a couple meals, should I eat a protein bar? She's like, eat a fucking, eat something because you're going backwards because you're working out. And she's like, Snickers, you don't want to eat Snickers all the time. But she's like, if you've missed meals and you don't eat something, you are going to eat way more somethings later with my body type and my lack of mental toughness, I guess. Because I, 
I'll binge eat like that's a human a though. That's human. I, I, mean, I think binging is a human behavior, and I think it's a really interesting parallel to hunting. Like I sometimes think about Matt because he doesn't. He will forget to eat. He'll forget to bring food with him. We've been on like multi-day trips, and he's brought like a lot of times one I thing of jerky not. with him. Um, and it might be a choice for yeah. sure. But my my point is is that like I think it we are able to go long periods of time pretty comfortably without eating. The problem becomes, like you said, the binging after that. And do you have a plan to reintroduce quantities of food versus I've been starving myself, so now I'm just going to eat whatever's in front of me. There's, there's a big difference between those two strategies. Yeah. So, well, with Frank, you probably, I guess, when you started doing CrossFit, you got more, a little more regimented. Is it regimented? Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody English major, correct me. In the <laughs> you got better about your bringing food to, I'm going off of memory. You got a lot better about bringing food to to work more yeah. consistent. Is that? Yeah. True? I think it, around that time I was listening to uh doctor, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, the, awesome. the, uh, she does a lot of the fasting stuff mm-hmm. and among other things, but I started listening to that and, um, I just found something that worked for me, which was between eating between eight and 10 hours. And from what she was saying also, it, it um, once you have like a, a plan like that, you tend to want to eat healthier as well because you're in that mindset. So it helped me with that. But I think one thing that really helps me is eating, uh, eating foods that taste good to me too. So it's not like it's a chore, um, to be under some sort of diet plan. I'm eating stuff that I like to eat and it it's all healthy stuff. It took a long stuff. time to get there. I used to make really boring food for Matt and I, and I think of what, maybe the last two years I've really gotten into like making it taste really good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still the same ingredients. They're just organized in a different fashion. We're like, oh, this is good. Yeah, and outside of huge difference. Outside of those times where maybe we've pushed the the time duration between meals too far, and and it turns into a binging thing. Um, that, that's what I crave. I crave a good meal. I no longer have that the the taste uh, in my mouth for sugar or for a cookie or for you know a full birthday cake. You know, is it true? <laughs> and I see that's. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, that's true. Yeah, it it does get better, and that is one thing I've told people that um, sugar is like heroin or cocaine or what you are going to crave it, and so you're going to have to go to rehab to get that shit out of your system, basically. Because I know for you know for me, I don't crave. I I like eating, or I should say, I didn't like crave steak or I didn't crave salad. I'd crave sugar. Where now, like I'll crave. for whatever asparagus and Brussels sprouts I can eat all day, every day. And so Amy cooks that pretty much every day. We have an Insta, what the fuck is that thing? Insta 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 Yeah, that thing. Somebody needs an award for that. Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. But, but uh, to get that sugar out of your system, you do have to, it it is, it is difficult, but it, it three weeks, I'd say probably four weeks. Well, and you get, like you said about, you know, changing your diet. It's just, it's, you get addicted to the results that it gets. I mean, CrossFit's the same way. Like, you know, people that start those programs, like whether it's a, uh, you know, some, some nutrition program that they're following a coach or whatever, the minute they see a change on the scale, they start to be encouraged. Like and as found fucking Jesus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they hop on the, the, the platform and when your body's the same way. Everybody. So, so you probably recognize that when you don't have your asparagus and Brussels sprouts that, and, and you substitute, you know, 
birthday cake instead, <laughs> you're like, fuck, I, I don't feel the same. I feel worse. There, there is also a physiological change, which I find super interesting that people generally don't believe happens, which you can probably attest to. You, you maybe before would have never craved vegetables and Brussels never. sprouts, but now you crave it because you've had a physiological change in your body that actually makes you sensitive to different foods and it makes you enjoy different foods. So one thing I read, um, this is uh, years ago when I was lifting super heavy and m- more powerlifting, I had read a, um, an article about your body's ability to adapt. So if you're someone that eats Twinkies every day, you're going to get fat to a point and then you're going to plateau until age comes into play. So you'll be a, a level of fatness, I'm wondering what to call it, um, from eating butterfingers and shit all day. And you're probably going to plateau of what your body's, your specific body type w- will grow, meaning the same thing. And then you, you plateau and you, you stay there and then age kicks in and you get, you get fatter basically. And if you're a, a endomorph or a fat kid body type that you're going to probably be, you're going to grow. And then the ecto is ecto the skinny fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be super skinny and fat as shit or out of shape where an ecto can eat whatever he wants, and he may just grow a pot belly when he turns 40, but he's still relatively thin. So, uh, you know, as, as, as people have asked me for advice, which I try not to give it on dieting, if you're a skinny bastard, you're never going to be big unless you are very regimented in your diet and your weightlifting program because you're, you're just not meant to be huge. If you're a fat fucker like myself, I can get big and in multiple different ways relatively easy but I can't get skinny without a shitload of work. Yeah, but there is, there, I don't, I, I feel like it's necessary to say you, you, those classifications, those three body type classifications, yeah. you can morph into a, a different one. Yeah. But like you said, it doesn't take much to move back to the one that your body wants to be. I, I've definitely morphed from the fat fucker a little bit over. Yeah, you look more, more like, like a mesomorph. mesomorph. Yeah. But I tell you what, if I can find one of these photos in like 98, I literally had an ass crack hanging out in front of my shirt. It was bad. Um, I, I think there's an interesting misconception that like the ectomorph just gets off because they happen to be thinner. When in actuality, I think health wise, that's actually more dangerous. I, I agree because we call them skinny fat. You yeah, can be, you're, you're going to have a heart attack quicker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, we've I've done cardio with some guys where I'm like, this guy should do pretty good, and then he's uh, cardiovascularly fucked just bad but he's looks fit i mean i don't what are you thinking frank you're smiling no i'm trying to think who you're talking about <laughs> i don't want to say it because i'll mention it later but <laughs> well, frank, um, frank you look i mean you look more like an ectomorph than a mesomorph which one's an ectomorph the that's skinnier the skinnier one the skinny sh- oh shit like no, eye-shaped no not now where it <laughs> not means now. it's hard but to I'm put saying, weight on for i'm you. just saying like maybe oh, in the I past get fat easy i i grew up i grew up <laughs> i grew up super fat like, oh you I did was, yeah i was at, i was fat from like third grade to uh if you look at his and i's picture you wouldn't listen yeah, to our podcast because yeah. we were both fatter than fat. yeah about <laughs> sec- second third grade to like uh middle school i was i was pretty fat then i hit a growth spurt um freshman year and kind of got skinnier but if I uh, if I slack at all, if I eat bad, I I can get fat pretty quick. So like it's just I don't know. I mean, noticing. when I first started far, I was in pretty good shape. Then I, I, I don't know. I probably got like a, what you'd call like a, f- a freshman fifteen just from <laughs> moving from moving from ba- from uh, Pueblo to up here. I like I didn't know a lot of people. I got up to like what like two hundred five, two hundred seven. Oh, okay. two fifteen. N- yeah. Now I'm now I'm at I I go from like one eighty two to one eighty seven ish. Right in that range right now. Yep. So. 
Yeah, but basically, yeah, I can get fat as hell pretty quick. Okay. If I slack. <laughs> I'm the same way. Yeah. I mean, like, like right now I'm trying to, I'm getting ready for this ski race that's in late March and I'm trying to rein it in a little bit because, uh, I find that if, if I weigh 220, which is like my body's natural set weight, it just wants to be at 220. Um, which is fucking depressing. How tall are you? Five, nine. Yeah. That's irritating. <laughs> He can um, go running for a week and gain muscle. It's really yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, though, that like w- skiing, uh, mountain biking, stuff like that, if I'm 220, my joints are killing me and I can't do endurance stuff at all. And this is a 40, 40 mile ski race from uh, Crested Butte to Aspen. So I know that's going to be my limiting factor. So if I can get down to 205, I know that I'm going to be in better shape to finish this race. But again, it just, it doesn't need to be like that all the time. Um, it's just something you need to be aware of. So Shereen and I were talking before we came here and we were saying like, you know, it's, it's important to recognize that, um, you know, people talk about macros diets where it's like, you know, Hey, it doesn't matter what foods you eat as long as you're, they, they accumulate to a certain number of macros or a calorie count. Um, that's I, not sustainable. I was just gonna say that's a crock of shit from yeah. every, from my body type perspective. Yep. Cause I tried downloaded the macro counter thing and what, doesn't work for fat kids. <laughs> to me, it, anyway. it, it can work. Yeah. It's it just, can work to lose weight. It's just not going to make you your healthiest. It's well, not going to make, I, yeah. I was just mentally healthy it. either. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it. You may lose weight from it, but my thing was is I was more sluggish on the mountain. There was things I was lacking that I'm like, fuck, I was more fit when I was fat. Well, yep. <laughs> if that makes, you know what I mean? If that makes sense. It so it, it didn't help me for the long term goal of being more fit for the, the back country. Right. Um, and that's why the stuff that Sheree kind of does for the, for the people that she coaches is so simple. Um, it, it, it's almost a disappointment. Like, you know, when, when you first start working with a coach and they're like, all I want you to do today is just make sure that you have a vegetable at every meal. And they're like, seriously, I'm paying you for this. Yeah. <laughs> it's true though. Yeah, you complicate yeah, and then, it, you and then the very up. next week they're like, oh my God, I can't believe how good I felt. All I did was eat vegetables. <laughs> You're like, all right, here we go. It's a party time. And then then it's just a constant ramp up. And what what she's doing is she's changing people's habits. And and that's a a big step in the right direction. I think what people want is the sexiest route, right? They want to see. And macros are a little sexier. Oh, they're sexy. Yeah, for results. And and, and you see transformations on Instagram and stuff like that of people that are using macros to lose weight. And you're like, holy crap, look at, I want to do that. But in reality, you're still stuffing your face with, like you said, Twinkies and stuff like that. Well, and unfortunately, a lot of times, and this isn't for everybody, but a lot of times they go back to the habit of binging after that. Because yeah. it, you haven't created a lifestyle. You just go Present. And yeah, that's you, me. you eat the full cake, right? <laughs> but I, I find that the whole weight thing interesting, like you said, because Matt and I both have like a set weight our bodies like to be at. And then we have fighting weight. And for us, fighting weight right now means in the mountains mm-hmm. uh, for what we do. Maybe it used to mean something different. But our fighting weight is a good 10 to 20 pounds lighter than our body wants to be at. Yeah. Most of the time. So t- talking, uh, kind of rewinding what you guys were just talking about. What I have found, you know, personally is the simpler, the the better when it for long term. Now, you go to some of the different physical fitness coaches like at a, a ballets or a whatever, 24 hour fitness. They almost confuse you with the workout. So you feel hopeless without them. Um, this is my own personal opinion from living a gym life. Like, look at that goofball standing on a ball curling and shit. Like, I don't know what that's maybe I don't know exactly what that's doing, but it's not doing a lot. But you feel you cannot go to the gym without a trainer so you keep paying them where the reality is you could do a pretty cut and dry workout in your living room and get more than you're getting 
other than accountability um, at that gym. I've noticed dieting is somewhat the same for some people where they try to confuse you so fucking much you have to keep paying them. Where it sounds like with what you do, they may be with you six months to a year, but then they can more or less break free with um, a tune-up every now and then. Is that... Yeah, in that couple I was telling you about that lost 100 pounds, uh, they are actually now on like a monthly. We just connect once a month because they want to be held accountable. But like they're on cruise control now. Yeah. You know, it's a lifestyle now. It's like who they are and they're still losing weight. It's not about like being on this program that you're going to fall off of. And I find it interesting that you say that about the whole instructor or coaches I think people fall into the trap of wanting to make sure they're giving value and so they overcomplicate what people really need because they're like well if I just tell you that you need to push pull squat and run you know in in combinations of that for fitness in multiple different time frames well that's not sexy that's not enough I need to give you more in order for you to want to keep paying me yeah well and an archery coach uh, Rod Jenkins world-renowned he he explained it very well for archery if you can't explain it simply, then you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And so if you can't explain, like, if you overcomplicate dieting, I, I personally feel that you're, and this is my own, you know, background, you're going to fail. If you overcomplicate it, you're going to have a hard, lot harder time. Because if I would have just had you, let's say 20 years ago, walk up and say, hey, dumb fuck, no sugar. Lower down the carbs, buddy. No more processed shit. I didn't know what pro- like, processed, wait. You mean these chips are, are bad? You know, like if, if someone would have just laid it out, because I'm a very good soldier following orders, I didn't know what I was doing. So if somebody would have just said, hey, dummy, you need to do this and wrote it down, I would have been a lot better off where I'm reading shit in men's fitness and talking to people at the gym. And I had 9 million people telling me 9 million different things, and I was doing all of them a little bit where I just needed one person to say, hey, fatty, quit eating carbs and quit like soda. Like they should, in my opinion, of course, somebody – they should ban soda from the world. Like, just shit can it. What do you think, Frank? It's poison. It is. It's poison. People would lose their minds. I dropped 20 pounds alone from no soda. I just cold turned. And Gatorade. The it's interesting like thing is that Gatorade right? is as bad as soda. It and can I- be diet soda, and the same thing happens to people, too. And the interesting thing is a lot of people. inflammation as well, right? Uh, so many things. It's, it's just some metabolic derangement going on there. But it doesn't matter Ooh. if it's full We're gonna sugar soda. We're going to put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> metabolic derangement. <laughs> or diet soda, the same thing. And they're like, but it's diet. It doesn't have any calories. It's like, there's so much more going on in there. Can we just say let's eliminate crap? Yeah. That's the simple piece of it, right? Yeah. It's crap. It's not food. Yeah. You know, and then... in to your point of like if you overcomplicate it, I think there's a process when people learn about fitness and nutrition where it, and it's kind of a, a beautiful thing that they're in this space of knowledge and trying to learn and gathering. And when you're in that place, you do overcomplicate things because you're in this space of just trying to learn and gather. And it's like when you finally get out of that space and you've worked with enough people and you realize how simple it is. That's that's when I think you take all those concepts and you're like, no, this is what actually works in real life. Yeah. And then that's the point where you kind of pick up with the discipline and the psychology part of it. Like, are you somebody that needs a coach because of the like you said, being accountable to somebody else? A lot of people need that. Like you said, balancing on a BOSU ball, doing curls doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's just they if they have a trainer there standing there with them, they're like, they're happy. They're content. Half the trainers that I know, it, it for some of their clients, just watch them on the treadmill till they stay on the fucking thing. Don't That's get it. off. Yeah, <laughs> and they're just like, hey, doing great. It's all in the hips. Come on, keep with going. Them. And I was like. How's your kids? I guess if that's what it takes, at least they're they're doing it. But Absolutely. 
you know, I, I would say like one of the accountability things is I need you there when I walk in the middle of the night to eat a jar of peanut butter to punch me in the fucking Slap liver and bed. Get back hand. in bed, dummy. Yeah. There's no one there. And Not I still, today. yeah, well, Amy just hides it, which is good. Like, that's um, what Matt does too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, people are like, with all the discipline you have, I can't believe you can't, you know, whatever with food. And I'm like, if there's a cookie in front of me. You give me long enough, I'm going to eat it. But, but no, I mean, without a doubt. Right. I'm going to eat. The cookie. <laughs> yep. And, you, you, you know, but if you put that cookie in front of me and then distract me and get rid of the cookie, I'm not going to go find the cookie. It's gone right. now. Right. But you leave that there. I'm eating it. There's no way around it. <laughs> it, it and there, there's another component to this, too, that people need coaches for that I find super fascinating, which is the psychology. Like I, I have if people are overeating and they're doing that and and they they have the knowledge, there's a reason. And you have to figure out what the reason is to help them. You know, like I have a an amazing client. We found out one of the reasons why she's been overweight for so long is because if she's not overweight, she doesn't look like her mom and her mom doesn't love her. Oh, you know, it's stuff like yep. that where you got to figure that stuff out and we all have it. It's just different for each of us. It might not be that emotionally driven, but there's a reason why we're eating the way that we are. It's comforting us in some level. What is that comfort and can we get it in a different way? A lot of people seek me out for that sort of stuff, even though they don't know it until we're three months in. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy to hear, <laughs> like, hear her clients. Stories, yeah. she, has, she has FaceTime talks with, with her clients and it's like sometimes I'll be downstairs and I'll kind of start to overhear a little bit of it. And it's like, oh, wow, this is going deep. Holy yeah. crap. And then all of a sudden they have this revelation where they're they're both crying. And it's like, <laughs> is this nutrition coaching or is this some sort of uh, psychologist? Come on, Dr. Or, Phil. But, yeah, but no like shit. that's the breakthrough they usually need to start losing weight again. Yeah. Because that's what our whole point is to get them healthy, right? And so it's like, unfortunately, like Matt said, I kind of get wrapped up with them in that that space. And I do get emotional. But That's cool, though. I mean, for, for me, it's more I don't like losing. So... You know, if you go like the Aaron Pick thing, like him, he's a physical freak when it cardio. And, and Amy was laughing. She's like, maybe you're just getting old. And I'm like, this fucking guy is not normal. It'd be like me going to the gym with you. I'm like, I know where I'm at fitness wise. Like I, there is, you know, and I'm, I'm telling Amy, Frank's laughing, but I'm telling Amy on the way home, like with 50 pounds, there's very few people on the planet that can hang with me. This guy just had a full fucking conversation at the end of the, we up the fire road with what, what is that? 200 yards? The last, the last stretch. Mm -hmm. He's like, Hey buddy, man, I'm really glad you came. You're really pushing me. And I'm like, can't feel my teeth. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I need to step it up. Right. Sounds Those are like the kind Amy of, knows how to push your buttons oh, to me. That's yeah. what it sounds like to me. She's funny. She li <laughs> literally was like, maybe you're just getting old. And I'm like, that's not it. That is not it, honey. And, uh, and, but he's. He's probably six, nature. six, what, six, four, six, got five. got a 37 inch inseam. Runner body. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, but that guy's probably been doing aerobic stuff his entire life. Well, I we, always, you know, we the, found out he's got one of the top 10, 10 mile times in U.S. Yeah, history. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. But yeah. still, the way my brain works is that helps because I'm like, okay, this mother, well, of course he did, but I'm like, he's not going to beat me today. And he, we did the fire road and he timed at 15. Which I could fast, never do yeah. it without him with me because I fucking hate to lose. And so, Literally halfway up, I'm like, you might die, but probably not. So just stick it out. And literally, he's like hmm, humming, going, and I'm like, just just stick it out, Snyder. Just you, it's only you know you like I break things down. It's only a mile. You can do anything for a mile. Oh yeah. Three quarters of a mile into it, I'm like, I was totally fucking wrong at the bottom of this because <laughs> he has pushed me farther than I could ever go, which is good. I mean, I'm I'm that's the way my brain works, and I like we talked before. 
I'm one of those guys like, hey, you fat fuck, just do it. What's wrong with you? That I respond well to. Other people don't respond but, well. But that's, that's a super interesting <laughs> part about being a coach. As a coach, you can't have a method. What yeah. you have to have is you have to figure the person out and motivate them the way that they need to. Yeah. You know, like if you need to be motivated via, uh, you know, competition and, and basically berating. Yeah. Well, then that coach needs, if you had one, they need to know that about you. Figure that out. Would you say that's true, Frank? What? Uh, with me. With you, yeah. <clears throat> Very so, competitive. Yeah. But I mean, as far as like what will make me the fastest up, let's say if we're training, is you show up and someone else and be like, I'm not losing to these motherfuckers today. All my best times will be from that. Well, if everybody just shows up and I'm going to hike it up and I'll get a workout, but it's not going to be at the level I would with other people there. Cause I don't, I, I, I think that's so. at Matt's the same way. Like Matt's going to give himself a world-class performance with someone next to him. Whereas it'll be like a, a, a little below that with, you know, and that's why I'm only going to do cardio with Matt, not CrossFit. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was just going to say is unless I know I'm outclassed from the get go, you know, and, and you're like, okay, this guy is so good at his, you know, whatever his sport is that I really have no hope of competing because I'm actually so bad at that, that I don't even want to try. We're just going to do cardio then yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. with a pack on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing. I've watched some of your videos and I'm like, give it a few months before I show up there. That's going to look really bad. <laughs> like I tried to do a muscle up. Fuck that. That's got to be bad on your shoulders. Well, well, actually, I think it's the total I think opposite. it's good on your shoulders, yeah. Yeah, what, well, when I was watching, what's uh, maybe I'm, I might it might not be a muscle. I think of butterfly um, pull-ups, the yeah. chest chest bar pull-ups. Those yeah. looked horrible on your. Are they not? Just looking at it I, from. I a would standpoint. agree that there is not really a place in your training for butterfly necessarily, unless you're trying to win a pull-up competition with any style necessary. Look, I, that's I, what I would think. For for a long time, I had this back injury last year that was debilitating. I couldn't do a lot of stuff because it would just fire it up. So I had to stay away from things that would cause my lower back to overextend. So in other words, like an excessive curve in my lower back and pull-ups were one of those things. Um, so I would only do strict pull-ups for literally like six to eight months. Yeah. And what I found was, it was pretty crazy. I couldn't actually um, hold my hands directly over my head uh, after doing so many strict pull-ups. Yeah. As soon as I started doing the the one thing that everybody hates about CrossFit is the kipping pull-up. Yeah. But as soon as I started doing kipping pull-ups again, that forward position in the swing where you're moving your torso forward, but your hands are actually behind you a little bit, yeah. my shoulder flexibility came back. Oh, gotcha. So, I mean, all, all this stuff that, you know, you but hear. But that's way different than a butterfly pull-up too. It is. It is. Um, but, but with that said, I mean, I think a lot of these movements that people say are unsafe or not healthy or you got to weigh the risk and reward. And for me, a kipping pull-up is a great method to increase a range of motion as well as kind of overload the system with a lot of pull-ups. Because clearly when you're using your hips to assist a pull-up, you're going to do more of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Accommodating resistance. Yeah. And then keep in mind, I'm a CrossFit. I, I, I haven't done CrossFit. So I, I, I poke fun at it and then Frank did it. And now I can't poke fun of it because he kicked my ass. Um, the, the, the one thing though, that people ask me with CrossFit or whatever, I'm like, if there's a couple, uh, work or exercises that you're not comfortable with, just Don't go to cross, skip them. Yeah. Cause that's one thing I've learned is you just skip them. Cause there's certain things like when I, my, I get a, what's that shit called? Tendonitis. tendonitis. I can't do pull-ups. So I'm going to skip it. Cause I, I can't do a pull-up cause my shit hurts so bad. But I, I would say out of the greater probably, I mean, from what I've learned from CrossFit over the last few years, it's probably the best workout for anyone to just go and and get in the the, the click or the crew or that that 
it's a what am I trying to say here? It is a good, uh, it's good you go bang to a, for your buck. Well, it's very good for that. But if you go to a gym, the chance of you, unless you're giant or overly fit, you're not going to have a circle of helpful friends where CrossFit is a, a family. Oh yeah. Um, where a gym, there's not a some gyms that muscle head gyms. There's a family, but CrossFit, you're joining a family. Where you join a gym, you're not joining a family. I'd say that's absolutely correct. And if you go to behavioral sciences, why people stay with fitness or health and why they don't, it has to do with the people that are around, which is a huge reason why CrossFit, I mean, obviously it's an effective method, but it's also another huge reason why it's so popular because you have instantaneous belonging. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And you, and you get, yeah, I do. And uh, let's go back to the risk versus reward so I'm thing. eating a little crow as I say all that shit, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the risk versus reward thing, like, you know, you, you mentioned like eliminating certain movements. I think, I think that that's uh, a perfectly reasonable thing to do. I mean, for me, I have no reason to bounce around on my head anymore doing handstand pushups. That was a thing that I used to do when I used to compete in CrossFit. And now the risk is much, much higher than the reward is. So yeah. I'll, I'll dumbbell shoulder press instead or push dumbbell push press. Um, and I think, you know, people that, that are like, I'm never stepping foot in a CrossFit gym mm -hmm. nowadays, especially with, you know, post COVID or, you know, intra COVID, uh, there's so many online programs nowadays that you, that you could, you know, pop into and, and try in your own garage gym where you can have that community as well. If they've got like a, a platform, a platform, like a message board or something like that as well. Um, you just got to find the one that's right for you. And I think for hunting in particular, your off season is best served by a program like CrossFit. I don't even have to say CrossFit, just like a functional well, fitness program. It's funny. A guy messaged me about my workout in the basement. And I had Amy film what I did because I didn't want to get made fun of for posting fitness shit. So I just sent it to him and, and he basically replied. He goes back. He goes, so you do a CrossFit workout. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I said, I said, honest to God, dude, I've never been to CrossFit. I just picked certain things up and he's like, well, I do CrossFit and that's pretty much what we do, except uh, I don't do any of the pull-up stuff, the kip-ups. And I just don't have room. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't, I'd crack my head on the roof of the basement. So I was, you know, that was probably... Two years ago, when did you start doing CrossFit? Uh, a year and a half ago. I think. Yeah, so it was about the same time. And then I, well, I got on testosterone replacement therapy, and recovery was unbelievable after that. But we hiked in to to the deer area, and he fucking destroyed me. And I would say before that, we were all pretty close. I mean, I would say probably hiking into an area, you were a little better, and then in training, I was a little better, like going up, to, like as far as speed. Well, it got to a point in what first 400 yards, I was like, fuck Frank, just go. I can't, I can't keep up, you know, and you beat me at least 400 yards or something up that climb. I, would, I mean, it was substantial. Oh, the shortcut part. Yeah. Cause it's, it's super steep. Rather than taking uh, the trail, it's like. Sounds like my life mile. living with Matt. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and that's, and that's where I was getting at is like, I mean, the so things it, that it was cross an eye opener for me, cause he kicked the shit out of me. Yeah. The things that you, <laughs> the things that, you know, I, we, we use CrossFit cause that's what we're experts in. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, functional fitness is the, the goal should be a varied platform of program uh, of, of exercises, time durations, weights, all that stuff. And what they do really well is vary the exercise, uh, not only selection, mm -hmm. but the duration, the loading, and you get a very well-rounded response to that stimulus. And that's why I say for hunters, you know, those short sprints up hills. Yeah. I mean, generally if you're doing back and buys, chest and tries, you know, cardio and abs, yeah. you're not going to get that. Yep. You're not going to get that. Uh, when it comes to packing out and you've got, 
you know, let's just call it 75 to 100 pounds on your back and you have to walk up a hill, your heart rate is going to go through the roof. And I bet Frank is super prepared for that because he's done heavy back squats for that short duration. And it doesn't need to look exactly like packing out an animal for, you know, let's say sandbags on your back or whatever. Yeah. Back squats are the same stimulus. Yeah. Uh, walking lunges with a bar on your back, same stimulus. And in a good varied program, you're going to get all of that stuff accumulated throughout the year so that when hunting season rolls around and it's time to, to pull the trigger, cut the CrossFit stuff out a little bit or whatever the program is, cut that, cut that stuff out a little bit, do a little bit more marching up the road with the, with the heavy pack on, because now we're talking sports specific stuff. And that's where I see, you know, um, people would be best served as far as exercise for hunting. But generally I'm going to guess that most people just kind of cruise along their off season doing not much of anything or maybe just light cardio or, or whatever. And then throw their pack on and start doing the sports specific stuff at the end. That GPP is what's necessary in the off season. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like people go to these two extremes, right? They're only doing the cardio endurance stuff or they're only doing the CrossFit stuff. And I think it's, it is athlete specific for me. I have to have two days a week of endurance in with the strength and conditioning or CrossFit stuff in order for me to be ready for the mountains. If all I do is strength and conditioning in the winter, those first couple months of the mountain season are not my optimal. I still have to have two days a week of endurance in there for me to feel great the minute the doors open for a season. I did the Leadville 100. You guys ever heard of that? Yeah. Um, I did the mountain bike version of that. You know, race starts at 10,000 feet, goes up to 12,000 feet, 100 miles uh, total. And I, my, my off season uh, leading up to it was all CrossFit stuff. And then starting around February, I started doing two bike sessions per week. That's it. Just two bike sessions. And prior to, um, adding those two bike sessions, I probably would not have been able to complete the Leadville 100. And as I came closer and closer to the race itself, I did less and less CrossFit and more and more biking. And I was fully prepared, finished in under 12 hours, I almost finished in under 11 hours. And I was 200 and 15 pounds at the he time. He looked like an elk in a field full of deer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet. That, yeah. That's, actually, that would have been a funny photo. It, it, um, it was. Because well, you look at most mountain bikers, they're, you know, 3% body fat and veiny and no muscle where you're opposite of that, obviously. They were right. about, he was about like, I don't know, four times the size of the average racer out there that day. <laughs> yeah, but my point of bringing that up is just that it's the GPP. If you've got a base level of fitness, you can apply it to anything that you want to do. It's just you've got to recognize when it's time to taper off the GPP and get a little bit more sports specific. Yeah, and it, people have asked that, especially like back in 16, because um, um, the Gritty Gunman was um, a CrossFit guy. Um, but he, I don't, I would say he's, I don't quantify, where was he at, like on our pack out? You know, on the hiking example. stuff? Yeah. He, we used to crushing pretty good i mean if there was a (laughs) hundred he was 99 i don't know i mean backpack cardio right but he was a crossfitting you know fool and that was one of the reasons i was like fuck crossfit this dude can't keep up like and and not picking on him just applicable to the task at hand right he was there and we would we would go to uh red rocks right and we would do 50 pound pack loops around red rocks and lunges and there were certain things he definitely was better at than others but just straight out 50 pounds and a four mile hike he it just wasn't him but i he never did he never got off the crossfit and then focused more on 
you know, cardio. So, well, and also to, to your, to your point here, I think one of the biggest mistakes in a CrossFit program is a lack of attention to the aerobic, uh, energy pathway. Yeah. So most guys are doing those 21, 15 nines or, you know, the stuff that's like 10 to 12 so minutes. Like Coming from a, a non cross. What the fuck is it? 21, 15, nine. What, okay. is, what is that? Just anaerobic fast workout. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So just think like, for example, let's just call it, you know, back squats at, uh, 135 pounds and pull-ups. You yeah. could, you could superset those two for 21 reps, then 15 reps, and then nine reps. That whole workout's gonna be done in under 10 minutes for sure uh, for most people. Right. And, and what that really is training is that high threshold anaerobic ability. And what's nice about this, a lot of those programs is they don't require a lot of time. And in a gym, like a CrossFit gym, or a lot of people in, in, that are just picking and choosing their workouts, they like those because it doesn't take a lot of time. It's sexy. Sexier. It yep. looks cool. And you're, you're, you're at the end of it, you're laying on the floor because it hurt. Yeah. Um, but what they're not doing is that long, slow distance at a aerobic threshold, which generally, if you think about it in numbers, it's 180 minus your age. So for me, that'd be like 138 uh, beats per minute. Yeah. Well, I'm bar- like, you know, I'm barely breaking a sweat at that pace, Yeah. but you got to put that stuff in there because when it comes to hiking all day long, the CrossFitters are going to go uh, that are more focused on that anaerobic stuff. They're going to go anaerobic just by doing anything. Yeah. And that shortens your day. Gotcha. I, I think it's, it's akin to like the word Kleenex. You know how Kleenex is like a company brand, mm-hmm. but everybody calls a tissue a Kleenex. Yeah. And so like everything is a Kleenex, even though it, no, it, it is actually a specific thing. CrossFit's the same way. People put this word CrossFit over it. And even if they have some base knowledge, they may not actually be doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They're doing a small percentage, like Matt talked about, which is definitely in within the program, but it isn't the whole program. And yeah. so they're not getting that whole benefit of everything else that's supposed to incorporate. Over the years, I mean, especially now, like within the last three years, I, I have increased the number of aerobic base workouts uh, to at least three per week because I had for so long only done the anaerobic work. And what I'm seeing is it's easier to maintain a lower body weight. It's, uh, I, I do better in the, in the mountains and recovery's better. my recovery is better. I don't have aches and pains. Well, I, one of the things like I told, and, and this was mostly me talking shit cause I'm a kind of a one trick pony. Well, I can do pushups good too. So I got two, um, well, your guys, I can't remember. Was it Taylor? I think I told him, I said, if you can beat me up the fire road, I'll go to CrossFit. Um, <laughs> I love it. But I'm, that's me. I can do that. Like, obviously, Aaron Pick can kick the shit out of me. But I feel confident, not right now after COVID, but in a few months, I will feel confident with 50 pounds that I can hang with anyone hiking up a road. Now, if you throw a bunch of other goofy shit that you do in, I'm fucked, right? I, I, other than push-ups, I can keep up with that. But the one thing, well, that was it, Taylor? Yeah. So, you know, of course, with me being the dick I am, I'm just like, I'm not doing fucking CrossFit. I just kicked the shit out of all you guys. Well, then when Frank kicked the shit out of me, I'm like, I might want to dig a little <laughs> deeper into this, you know, because a lot of it, too, is I have from the Army in years and years and years, I have a base for for, for hiking with Probably 50. here, too. Oh, mentally, I can I yeah. can go. And so, but that was an eye-opener when we hiked in. And, and I, I brought it up to you when, when we, you know, the good thing was I had gained about 15 pounds from being on TRT was the next day I had 
no issues, right? I didn't have no fatigue where before we'd hike in the next day I'd be. So I mentally was like, I'm good with that. I'm not sore today. Fuck it. I, so Frank beat, you know, I'm like, so Frank beat me. Well, then I started like, which I had to even admit this because I talk shit about CrossFit so much. I altered my workout a lot and I would occasionally, and you'll probably remember me. I said, so what do you, what is the roast? And what do you guys do with the roast? <laughs> well, so we just do a minute and I'm like, hmm. okay, I'm going to write that down. So I've altered my workout. Like the one, the video you watched, like that's all in a very short period of time, which that's not a CrossFit workout, but you do push-ups and crunches, and then I would be, like, no one wants to see my fat ass on the rower, but I would do the rower for 60 seconds. That was the one I just did, like, I posted. Yep. In 20 minutes, I was fucked, like, done. Like, I'm, like, smoked. Like, literally, Amy's laughing because I'm limping up the stairs, and she's like, what were you doing down there? I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. That was rough. But we went and did cardio later. And for most people, everybody can do push-ups. Everybody can probably do dips. You can do air squats. You can do lunges. There's Sit-ups. a lot of things you can do without having a gym. Yep. And so initially our gym was pretty simple. We had a dip pull-up bar. We had TRX cables, some dumbbells, and that was it. You can kick the shit out of yourself in 30 minutes very easily with that. It was hard for me being in the gym scene for so many years, powerlifting, where I had all these tools. Right. Where now I'm like fuck, I don't need all that shit right? well. And my gym's pretty pretty basic. Yep. Um, so having said all of that, for people listening in, if you don't have a CrossFit gym around you and you're in middle of nowhere in Kansas, let's yep. say, what would you guys suggest if they're going to build a home gym in their garage? Things to focus on uh, for, for specific um, exercises that they could do in the middle of nowhere in, in Kansas. What would you guys... I'd say basic, get a set of dumbbells and a band. Like, that, if you're going to get nothing else. Um, yeah, so equipment-wise, it, it does make sense to just have, you know, if, you, if you're saying ideal scenario, I would say invest in a barbell and a set of bumper plates, yeah. 320 pounds of plates, because you're never going to need more than that um, unless you become, you know, really into fitness. Unless you just popped out a monster. Yeah. 325 <laughs> yeah. is a shitload of weight it for is. people listening in. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, even for a deadlift, that's it's something you're going to have to work up to. That's not going to happen overnight. Um, back squat, same deal. I only laugh because Matt and I took a year in an Airstream going around the country and we had a gym set up in the back of our truck and you just pull it out. He, he insisted we needed two sets of bumpers for that, <laughs> for that trip around the, no, 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 we get, we got to have 600 pounds of weights while we travel around the country in an Airstream. Um, but with that said, <laughs> you know, dumbbells are a lot easier to find on Craigslist. It's a little harder now. How about the Bowflex ones? They go up to 55. Yeah. And those power, them? what do they call them? The power, what are those, uh. This, they're like a rectangle that you can pull out the different weights. Yeah, that's what I was using on that video was the Bowflex one. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, get your hands on a set of those because a set of dumbbells, you can perform all these functional movements with them. And if it's not enough weight, you just add a band by either standing in it and wrapping it around the dumbbells. You can add resistance. But like like what you were asking, basic exercises, the, the four big functions that are worth hitting throughout the week is a push, a pull, a squat, and a sit-up. Uh, add in a, some sort of cardiovascular movement like an air squat, I'm sorry, a, a run, or if you have a, a, an actual bicycle, you can really have a well-rounded fitness uh, with just that set of dumbbells and those functions. So the variance part of it that I think a, people, a lot of people have questions about is like, okay, so do I do the same program every week? Do I do something that's a little bit different? How do I change that? Well, if just think of it like this, the, the more 
uh, I'm sorry, the less weight you're going to use, let's go all the way down to an air squat. Well, the more reps you should do. And the, the more weight you add, the fewer reps you should do. It just makes perfect sense. And throughout that, you should change the duration of time of exercise from something 30 minutes all the way down to something that takes 15 seconds, which would be like a one rep max back squat. You know, so those are those things that we say you should hit is those, those five functions and go from body weight all the way up to one rep max weight and change the amount of time that you're doing those exercises for. So like re rewinding back in my strong days, you know, uh, I didn't really look at anything under an 80 pound dumbbell. Right. I mean, um, why would you? Yeah. I just, uh, well, <laughs> I'm just I, kidding. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was, I couldn't walk from here to Frank without getting winded, but <laughs> yeah. boy, I was strong. Right. So yep. as I, as I, as I altered that, one of the things that was hard for me to compute in my muscle headed brain was doing like I did. Well, that was my last set and I about popped my colon out, but that last set of, um, you know, eight standard bench, I put them together, close grip eight and then eight, one arm. And I do four sets of those. 10 years ago, I would have been like, pussy, fuck, what the fuck you doing? Where right. I, that, my mentality was heavier, lower reps, where now it's much higher reps um, for what I'm focusing on. Because when you do, uh, let's say, 405, and you do it three times, not really getting too winded from that, but you reverse that, and now I'm doing 55-pound dumbbells. Yeah. Or not, yeah, and I'm doing it to muscle failure each time. I tried to start to alter it towards backpack hunting, I guess is what I'm getting at. So I don't do legs now. I don't, I don't, I don't lift legs. I do air. When I say I don't do legs, I do any, don't do any machine leg work. I do deadlifts. You know, I do straight leg deadlifts. I do air squats. I do think lunges, things like that. Cause I didn't give a shit how much, how strong my legs were at this point. I actually needed to lose muscle on my legs for backpack uh, hunting because I more muscle, more oxygen. Yep. That was hard for me to wrap my, I think you hit the nail on the head, though. Training is really, first, there's a base health and fitness, right? But second, what's the goal? Yeah. You know, and when you were in your powerlifting days, your goal was different. Your goal was to be as strong as you possibly could. Now your goal is to move quickly around the mountains with a lot of weight. Those are two different training programs entirely. And there isn't a judgment on either one. They're just a different goal. Well, if if you guys were to... Um, forget anything I have said so far, and you two were going to prep somebody for a backpacking trip. They're going to go seven to 10 days. Obviously, you can't help them with the mental portion, but the physical portion, and they don't live here. They're, they're lower altitude, pick a state. What is your guys' first like initial, hey, here's tier one, tier two, tier three. Like, What are you going to tell them to do both diet and fitness uh, for the people listening in? Because there's a lot of people listening in that are in that exact situation. Well, and jump in whenever you want, Matt, but I think the first thing I would do is try to keep it as simple as possible. What are they doing right now? Are they eating well and exercising? And if they're not and they want to get prepared for that, well, the first thing is, is let's find one simple thing to start with in your tier one with food, probably trying to eliminate the sugar, making sure our food is, is whole. And then the second thing is, is, well, let's start working out, right? That's more important to create a habit of that. And for some people that, that start working out might simply be 10,000 10, steps in a day. Yeah. yeah. With a, and you know, if they want to feel like it's working towards their hunting, the way, put a backpack on. I've, you know? I've, I've become a slave to that fucking watch and the steps. Yeah, right. It does keep you accountable. Absolutely. Um, I have a, yeah. let's actually, if you're curious about steps and things like, I have a Garmin Phoenix 6. Wink, what's yours? Phoenix 3. 
All right, and, and it tells your steps and chloroform. I have a Garmin, too. I don't wear it very often, but. but well, it, it does help keep you honest with it. So if people are wanting, you don't need this one. It's expensive. I think the Instinct Solar is like 300 bucks, and it does keep track. It'll do your pulse ox. It'll do everything, basically. Um, I don't know how accurate it is, but it's accurate enough to where, like, you're talking about steps. There's days here where I'll look down, and I've done 3,700 steps, and it's 2 o'clock, and I'm like, Oh, I better get moving. Go I for a walk. do something when I get home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Go take so, a little little lunch walk. Yeah. I, I think one of the problems is, is that the people that are looking for what to do to get prepared for that are overwhelmed because they try to do too much. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's boil it down. Let's simplify it. Eat some good food. Take a walk. If that That would be your tier one. Yeah. Irregularly. Like your tier two, we need to start bringing in some strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. and then making sure you're eating the right quantity of food. How much are you eating of these things? How much protein vegetables are you getting in your meal? And can we do, you know, two to three days a week of strength and conditioning with the movements that Matt was talking about? That'd be like tier two, you know, tier three, you probably have someone that's already got a base fitness. They have an understanding of food. We're going to dial in the quantity and the quality of food much more now. And we're going to be very specific on hitting some specific training modalities for them to ramp. Cause now we've got to affect change within their already fitness. It's not just about creating fitness. Now it's about, all right, I want to make sure you're better at these things. So your training is going to be a little bit more specific. Yeah. To add, to add to that. So uh, her point two, uh, or tier two would be like the GPP would, that I was talking about, the push pull squat mm-hmm. where, where you're getting all those functions, you're varying durations and, and loading. Tier three then would be that taper down off of the GPP stuff and more specific to whatever the trip is that you're doing. So, you know, I know that a lot of a lot of your listeners are really looking forward to someday doing a multi day backpack hunting trip, and to me that just means that okay, well. I've got to get used to carrying about 40 pounds in my pack, um, minimum for a long duration. Uh, and then if you do obviously get an animal, you're going to have to carry all of that stuff out as well. So we know that duration needs to go up. So we, a lot of time on your feet, uh, loading needs to go up. So that means heavy back squats because standing up on, you know, let's just say you have to take a step up onto something with your backpack loaded. If you don't have that base strength in there, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then just being consistent at those few things, you're going to be prepared. Right. And I, you know, honestly, we've seen a lot of success with this. I, I know me personally, like since I've switched to doing more endurance focused stuff, like, you know, uh, backpack hunting and, and the Leadville and the ski race and stuff like that, it's, that's worked for me. GPP throughout most of the year and then finally taper down for the last three months, uh, to what the sport actually is and, and hit that a lot. So, um, so just to make sure I'm not giving piss poor advice, and if I am, I, I apologize. Um, you know, I've had a lot of guys that that will, hey, I'm doing this squat workout and this deadlift workout, and a lot of times if they're getting closer to May, let's say June time frame, my advice was, man, I, I would get off the weights and do uh, step-ups with a pack on. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to do a, you know, a quote-unquote leg workout, make sure that that leg workout is a lot more applicable to, to backpack hunting because squatting isn't really as applicable to backpack hunting. It's like stepping up on boulders, right? So I'm like, if it were me and, and you know, you're wherever you're at, you're at low altitude, um, hit the box steps um, with a pack on and then immediately go out, do a mile, come back up, do box steps, go do a mile loop, more applicable to what you're going to face 
backpack hunting. Is that shitty advice or is that decent I, advice? I don't think it's shitty. I think the only thing that you, you might want to tweak there is, is why eliminate the other. Well, I'm just going to have them listen to this. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, like why eliminate the, the squatting and the deadlift? I would say you have to do the step-ups. Mm -hmm. This is part of your weekly program. But there's no reason to eliminate the squatting and the deadlift. They just shouldn't be doing it as often. Right. And, and one of the reasons with the squatting and the deadlift is their mind is focused on power and I'm trying to get them off of power and into endurance because yep. the best thing that I think I lost six total inches in circumference on my legs I as I it. quit powerlifting and then got into more backpack hunting because I, I don't do anything but air squats now. Not to say that that's right. I just know where I was at when I was squatting every day to where I'm at now doing air squats and lunges. Now for me, I have strong legs, so that, that helps and I don't have to do that a lot, but I, I felt better in the mountains with my own personally not not doing squats as much now i still deadlift um for whatever reason i just i don't know i'm stuck on deadlifting so i still deadlift and i straight leg deadlift a lot more that's my core um and so and and, and again as i'm saying this don't be afraid to tell me you're a fucking idiot because I, I want no i learn. think that you have <laughs> you have a base that most people don't have and i think that's the difference and that's mm -hmm. why you feel better laying off of it it's kind of like matt said when he lays off a little bit of the weightlifting, his joints and bones and all that feel better and he can move quicker in the mountains you guys are in the same world where you spend a lot of time getting really strong most people haven't done that so they don't have that base of tissue that's going to protect them and make them indestructible. And so they still need a sprinkle of that in their programming pretty regularly to build the base that you two have in your structures. Yeah, you absolutely don't want to lose it either. So yeah. you don't want to detrain any of those those capacities. So like maxil, maximal strength, right? So even during the hunting season, if I'm home for a couple of days during the arch, archery season, I've been doing plenty of long, slow distance with a moderate load. I'm going to do a max effort load. Yeah. Just to, just so I don't detrain that. Gotcha. And I did see, I, I guess you'd say I detrained like a son of a bitch. I, I detrained my ass down from 275 to 210, shrinking everything because more muscle, more oxygen. Mm -hmm. And so. And more know, food and more everything. It's expensive, right? Well, and that photo I showed you is like eight to 12,000 calories a day, depending yeah, upon exactly. where I was at. Which I'm not supposed to be that big. Like no one should eat that. Like I was eating a dozen eggs for breakfast. It was so fucking <laughs> crazy the amount of, because I'm not genetically built. There was steroids helped. I'm not genetically supposed to be that size. And so I had to, one, take a lot of steroids. Two, I was amazed at how much I could eat. I could eat whatever I wanted at any time. And I got super strong, but I couldn't walk. Like, I remember Jeremy and I went shed hunting. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Mm. Like, I literally, and so. You know the rule that they have at uh, Louis Simmons Gym in Ohio? What's the name of his gym again? Westside Barbell. Westside Barbell. The rule they have is you have to work on cardio. If you have to, if you walk from your car to the door and you have to take a break, keep in mind that their cars are exactly like yours. Or they're right out the front door. So if you're taking 10 steps and you're breathing heavy, it's time to work on cardio. Yeah. No, and that, that's true. And so what I, what I tried to do is when you, what'd you call it? D, what is it? D training? D training. D -training. Yeah. When I say D training in a, in a, I try, I guess it would almost be more evolving. I don't know what you want to call it. I was yep. trying to lose some muscle, maintain fitness. And so, you know, for, for me, I pretty much only do backpack cardio. I don't run or anything. I do the bike or whatever, but I, I'm just doing cardio. I don't know that that's really good advice, but that's what I do because I hate to run. Um, and it's exactly what I do all the time. And so I try to just do backpack cardio. And if I need to get my heart rate up, I do steep hills. Um, I'll do lunges. I'll lower the weight and really haul ass. But 
would you guys say that's piss poor advice? Like if people are coming out to do a mountain hunt, should they dive into a lot of other cardio other than backpack cardio? Well, so I, I think getting stuck in the idea of just doing backpack cardio, um, kind of pigeonholes you into one stimulus and therefore one response. So yes, and we that, talked about this before. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's important, right? You know, four weeks of, you know, no rowing, no air biking, stuff like that. But as you're leading up to it, you can categorize all of that stuff, all that cardio work or aerobic base work into just duration mm -hmm. and heart rate. So whether that's on a, uh, air bike, rower, running, uh, backpack, ruck, uh, you know, that sort of thing, just realize that like Shree was saying, you know, if you're 12 weeks out to September 1st, then, you know, it's called June 1st, you should be doing that three to four days per week and doing the lifting or heavier conditioning work two or three days a week only. So, so once you get maybe four weeks out, that's where putting your pack on all the time is going to relate more to a sports specific benefit. Um, you're just fine tuning things. You're just kind of making everything a little more snappy. When, when you're not in that like lead up to where you're going to go out and pack, I think it's really important to mention a variety of stimuluses for injury prevention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm running, rowing, biking, skiing, you know, climbing up a mountain, I'm doing all of these things for that same concept of wanting to build my aerobic base. I am much less likely to create a repetitive use injury. Like IT band? Yes. A anything. Literally exactly. anything. Joints. It's bad. Yeah. I did not like it. So... <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, if you if you mix that stuff up, your body is being used in a different way. It's building muscles and it, it's balancing things out. You're, you're much less likely to have those tweaks that people like to call them or, you know, the pain over here. That stuff's much less likely to pop up. And we see that so often with runners, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, they end up with the plantar fasciitis or see, that's ankle why injuries, knee, oh. knee injuries. Exactly, right? <laughs> because that's yeah. all they do. Or a lot of times that's all they do. I think the one thing I was going to incorporate this year is buy a mountain bike. Yes. Um, lower impact and I used to ride mountain bike a lot and I raced some not at like a high level but I whatever a lot of uh in Washington and it's lower impact and if Amy it's amazing like she drops me off the bottom of the mountain like you should come up and do it sometimes it's just a windy ass road I don't I do good right I'm, I'm used to that put a mount I remember the first time when I, I got a bike a few years ago with Paul and I rode up the fire road I was so fucked up by the time I got to the top. And I'm like, I literally walk up this thing with 50 pounds constantly. Faster. My quads <laughs> were burning so bad, the lactic acid. I'm like, I went to 1-1 one, one and literally was just mashing, thinking, <laughs> please, God, just get to the top because the, the lactic acid in my quad. And I, it made me, you know, thinking about that recently, I'm like, that probably wouldn't be a horrible idea. The rower's cool, but I just can't do the rower that long. It just gets boring, yeah. right? So 20 minutes on a rower to me is like an hour in a torture chamber it's fucking horrible to me to me on a rower so i've gotten to where i kind of copied frank on some of the superset you know one minute max effort and then superset that to something else and i thought you know the bike would probably be better better cardiovascularly and split it because i do it seven days a week do half on the bike and then half with the, the backpack yeah i'm not getting any younger either as part of the 
problem. So cool thing about the bike too. <laughs> Shit start wearing out. Yeah, I know. The cool thing about the bike too is that it, it kind of naturally throws intervals at you mm-hmm. without you even trying to do it, right? Like there's times on a bike where you you've got to push it and you got to be a little anaerobic and then there's times where you have to kind of like cruise and be aerobic. And you don't have to have a program for that. It's just naturally built into the sport of mountain biking. Aaron, you mm-hmm. live in the best area for that too. That yeah. Buffalo Creek area. Ooh, yeah. mount- so fun. It's one of our favorite areas to mountain bike in. Well, one of the things you know, that trail at the back of the house goes right up against uh, rocks no what's the state park uh, uh, yeah I know the one yeah, there's about. a state park anyway there's a trail right there because that's what we hike but it's you know mountain biking I mean it's perfect I can just literally out my back door and hit that trail system in the park yeah so I've, I've been thinking about that more and more mostly I, I really don't want Frank to keep kicking the shit out of me <laughs> um, and, it, and it was good in a way because it was like a wake up call of okay whatever he's doing is working and two the TRT was another one where I'm like okay is this bad good or indifferent where the recovery the next day was far worth it. I didn't have any, it didn't bug me walking in other than my brain. Cause he kicked the shit out of me so bad. Cause <laughs> I think you did, you probably beat me by 400 yards up that I would say. Yeah. And I you probably so. could have beat me by, I mean, I had to stop a couple of times where I'm like, Jesus Christ, look at him go. And <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> remember that sp- the spine, yeah. uh, the, there's a big, it's it, thank God. I have, I have way better balance than him. He falls a lot. Um, <laughs> And I would say that's probably from the Army uh, Corps, right? You do so many freaking... Rucks. Well, and, and ab workouts or whatever, is, I have a fairly strong core, so I, my balance is, is good. And so all I could think of when we were going up was maybe on the way down he'll twist an ankle, right? I was making jokes in my mind because <laughs> he was flying, but you had done CrossFit for probably, what, a year? Eight months, I guess, maybe. When we did I think that. that's right when I started. Hiking. Yeah, you'd been doing it a, a little while, and it was an eye-opener for me to a point I'm like, I should probably stop talking shit about crossfit because frank just fucking destroyed me and you weren't doing as much backpack cardio but you were doing some and so that actually and i you know i admitting that i altered my workouts heavily after that for the fact that okay maybe just backpack cardio is not enough now if we were going to do a hundred mile backpack race mentally since i've done those longer backpack cardio from the military and everything else i might have a mental advantage because i know i can do it but cardio wise, I'm like, Jesus Christ, if Frank and I had to hike out, like, right, you know, I'm like, he's going to fucking destroy me. So it was kind of like I went home, I was telling Amy, I'm like, I might need to change some shit up. Frank fucking crushed me. And she always said to me, well, maybe you're just getting old. I'm like, no, his training program's better. God damn it. But you, you have to alter around that stuff. Yeah. I, I feel stronger and more capable than I've been in my whole life when I'm 46. So, like, the the old thing, it's like, I do think it's altering your programming and altering how you train for your goals to get to get there. Like and as you age, for sure. How old yeah. are you? I'm forty, turning forty three. Gotcha. When? February. Oh, I got you beat just by a little. I, January twenty seventh. Oh, okay. I turned forty four. Um, oh, or five. Oh, fuck, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, <laughs> the the thing though with people listening in, you know, to this, if you're like me and too hard headed and kind of stuck on what's well, worked for me, why would I change? Age probably has something to do with it, but I think, too, you become kind of a one-trick pony where, like, backpack cardio, I was really good at that. I've done, I've rocked my whole life, but if you altered that a little bit, meaning you threw something else in there or, you know, whatever, where I think what with, with what Frank was doing is you don't hit the higher heart rates with backpack cardio. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So, you, I think you told me that, like, what's your max heart rate that you've seen on a watch recently? Well, before COVID, let's say, COVID, yeah. yeah, 120. And do you feel like you're 
dying at 120? What, what's what's your dying heart rate? Like when you look now, down. Now 160. 160, 160, okay. I'm like fucked. Like, so what's interesting is like. But when I mountain biked, it was 180. 180 was the one that like, oh, God, I'm getting, we, I could push my heart rate over 200 back then. Now if I did that, I'd probably fucking die. Well, and that's what I was going to get at is, <laughs> is that, I mean, the beauty of your base that you've built with backpack cardio, the rucking, all of that stuff is you literally probably don't need to touch that all year long. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Well, believe me, I've been thinking about this a lot more, you know, lately because I do just love to, I, there's nothing better for me or more fulfilling is 50 pounds and hauling ass up the mountain I live on. Right. Because you're really but good at it. Well, I was getting to that is prop. Most of that is because I'm doing it fast. I know that I'm, I'm, you know, going towards the goal of, of backpack hunting. But in reality, I'm like, we drug that rope. I had the big, uh, ropes and they're I, the ones I ordered. It was the only ones they had. It was that giant bastard. <laughs> oh, geez. And it was like forearms were, I'm like, I've made it into a, a pole. So I pull it up my, my, uh, driveway. Well, you would think backpack cardio, pulling a rope, I thought it wouldn't be that much different. I was very wrong. And so I drug that thing up the driveway four times and thought I was going to fucking die. I started to gag. And I'm like, well, I'm at the same altitude I do cardio, but it's totally different. Uh, you know, I'm, you're just walking with backpack cardio with that. I'm, I'm literally pulling like a truck pull. Well, all of these things as I get or eye openers, I'm like, okay, I am fucking lacking in a lot of different things. Um, and then obviously he kicked the shit out of me going up the, the hill. So I'm like, okay, I really need to reassess, you know, what I'm doing and what you said is probably true. I probably don't need to do backpack cardio that much. I have such a base. Yeah. I need to do a lot of other things. Yeah. Just as another example, I, I grew up swimming from the age of five until I graduated from college Yeah, and I don't need to get in a pool ever. And I still have a great stroke. Do, is my capacity the same? Can I sprint the same? Can I swim this, uh, the same distance without stopping? No, not at all. But Not if, compared to yourself, but compared to the average person who doesn't swim, you still crush them even if you haven't been in a pool in a year. Right. So like, yeah. if I jumped in for a month and swam three days a week, I'd be right back there. And mm -hmm. the same would be true for you. So what I would challenge you to do in your case would be to find the things that you're good at, remove them from your program until it's sports-specific time, yeah. and challenge yourself with the things that you – have to self self described as hating or yeah. not being good at and and hit those. I probably won't ever run. I'm not gonna lie, but all the other <laughs> shit I'll do. I I don't like running at all. Yeah, it's bad. Well, <laughs> and 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 focus on those four to five days per week yeah. as long as your body's still giving you the green light. In other words, no aches and pains. Your recovery feels good. You're still getting work done while you're at work. Yeah, you can't like you said. You can't you know do one of these workouts and then you know have to hit the the hay the rest of the day because yeah. you're so fucked up and w which Shree and I experience once in a while we oh do a workout goodness. where it's anytime like anytime I work out with my husband I have to nap <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like all right, let's take an hour nap because uh, I'm fucked I, well I, I would challenge your comment too about why, why would I change because it's working for me in the challenge I would have for that person is is it because could you be better clearly you're interested in finding out something different so there's something that's not working about it and can you change a little piece of it instead and, of changing the whole and ass whooping will make you reevaluate that and yeah. that's really what yeah when i say that meaning you know and obviously this is me making fun of myself or, or people to you know because of all the shit i've talked about crossfit um when you if you go into something and you think you're at a high level and someone just beats the shit out of you in my opinion, if you're a competitor, you are going to go home and you are going to reevaluate. Maybe he's just better than you. 
but is it training? Can you, can you train? In the case of Frank, it was pretty fucking common sense. One, I got on TRT. That was a small factor. Two, he started doing CrossFit. And so his cardiovascular, I'm like, okay, do I need to start mountain biking and running and shit? Because I, I mentally consider myself a fairly strong person to be like, okay, I'll just push it until I die. And if I die, he'll give me CPR and we'll come back. <laughs> like halfway up the hill, I'm like, nope, I got to fucking do something different. Like, again, we're both, I got there. It wasn't like I had any issues. He just got there way faster, which for a guy, if you're an alpha and a competitor, it's hard to swallow. And so when was that? Probably June or July or something? Uh, two Junes ago. Yeah. No, that was, it was last. Yeah. Two, fuck. Whatever it was, it was one of those deals where I'm like, okay, I probably need to um, work on getting my heart rate much higher than it because it, I can't get it. When I told like I told you, backpack cardio, I can't get it that high. Even when I run, it's not that bad. And like when, and when you keep doing well at what you're doing, it makes it worse. In the it sense does. of, we would go do backpack cardio, and you would run and try and pass me, and then you would your heart rate would elevate super high, and I have a longer stride, and then I would eventually. Not all the time, but I would be able to pass you before the top of the hill. That's like false hope. What I'm doing is working. Fuck it. I'm not changing to where once I got my ass kicked, I'm like, yep, I need to change. (laughs) One of the cool things about that is the added benefit to varying your exercise program is that your body doesn't uh, accommodate the exercise. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you've been doing backpack uh, hiking. Other people do they run their entire life. If I continued swimming my entire life, I would probably stagnate in weight loss and muscle gain doing the same things over and over again. Whereas Frank, I'm sure you've experienced this, the variety of exercises, it keeps you always adapting and sore and, um, you, changing. Plateau. you never plateau. It's always just like, just as soon as you think you're getting good at something, all of a sudden you suck at it again and you get super sore from it. And yeah. that's what you're really after. That's why I'm scared of crossing. Can you <laughs> hand me one of the clean energy ones, the blue ones? Um, the uh, up top. In clean the energy. And I would argue that you can lie to the world, but you can't lie to yourself. You know, like, I feel like all of us at this table, we know what it feels like to be in our best shape. Yeah. And if you're not there, yeah. you're lying to the world. Yeah. About oh, what you're doing. Period. You know, I, I, I would agree with that 100%. And it. Like we went on um that goat hunt with Brian and like and that was at what were we at thirteen something? Oh recently, yeah. 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 And that's another I would say problem is I do really well at high altitude. Um whether it's from I always I always have. I've never had an issue. Frank, you do well at high altitude, but you'll fuck around and get pulmonary edema if you're not careful. He has to take a little more time Jeez. getting up there. But you have to take medicine. He takes but I mean don't it's because he's so fucking hard-headed, he won't let his body recover on the way in, which you may argue with that, but you're too stupid to stop. I mean, when I say that in a good way, like, he's too <laughs> yeah. fucking hard to stop. Well, I, <laughs> and I, I can kind of picture that as... Uh, Don't put those two together. Be, ...being a CrossFitter, because, like, what we'll do is we'll push through the hard sections, you know, our oxygen saturation will drop a little bit, and now that you're already in thinner air, it's, it's making a, a bad situation worse. Well, and I've talked about this a, a bunch to different people. Like, you know, what's it like with, you know, Matt Chan and, 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 and what's, you know, what was this, how, how are you guys as people? And people ask me about Frank and I'm like, he's just tough, not fighting, Frank. I don't, have you ever been in a fight, Frank? I've been in a few, yeah. How'd it go? <laughs> I won a couple and lost one. <laughs> but your, your genetic DNA does not put you as an aggressive fighter. You can fight, but you're not a, 
um, a fighter where you look at, when I'm, I'm breaking this down, you look at Justin Gaethje, probably beat the shit out of all of us at one time. He's probably not going to make it two days on a backpack hunt. He's not used to that pain. Or, right. that, you know what I mean? It's different. And I'm like, well, look, look, Frank, I could call Frank 40 miles in and be like, dude, I, I killed seven elk. Uh, I don't have tags for them. <laughs> and I'm really thirsty and I forgot Copenhagen. He'll be like, okay, uh, the drives, I'll be there soon. I'll, I'll bring my hat. That it's just his mentality. He can do anything. That concept of suffering and uh, that's an ad- adaptation too, isn't it? I, so. I well, that's kind of what I'm leading up to. To where you don't ever, you don't have the mental, the issues that most people have are one mental. I miss my mom. I miss home. I miss whatever. Two is the ability to no mountain too high. My skill set will get me there along with my physical fitness level. And the next one is, do you enjoy it? Luckily, he and I enjoy the the pain of that, and so you can go farther than anyone else. The, go ahead. You were going to say something. I, 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 li- I mean, I have su- both sucked at this recently and also <laughs> gotten very good at it recently. Uh, I mean, in the last few years, like putting on 17-day – or sorry, 17-mile days yeah. has become somewhat of a challenge to me. And, and that's – like I'm not afraid to keep walking. I'm not afraid to, you know, get into – down timber and have to walk across all of it and, yeah. and just the suffering that's involved with that because I feel like a better human being because of it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the everyone's wired, you know, differently, right? I mean, there's going to be people that can sit 14 hours in a tree stand that maybe we, we can't, right? We're not wired for that. Um, but you can adapt. You'll get better at it. I can sit there now. But, um, you know, there's going to be like Frank, for example, people talk about how mentally tough I am. And I'm like, well, Frank's I've had fucking training, right? I was in the military. Frank does this shit, and he went to high school, right? He he does fourteen day backpack <laughs> trips, and <laughs> that he did not have any. Uh, he did not have the ass whooping of the military to maybe get him ready for 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 the mental. You're just naturally good at it, and you, have you been that way all the time? Mm, I think growing up, uh, when I during my fat stages, I was definitely <laughs> definitely lazy, but at, at, with sports, I think that helped a lot. But I, you still suffer, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean that's, that's, that's the important part of it. I, I think um, for when, me personally, I it, like to set a goal, and in my mind, I'm, nothing's gonna get in, in the way of me accomplishing that goal aside from maybe time. If I if I run out of time, but I'm gonna do everything I can to accomplish it. And then also, I think um, I'm not overly competitive like outside of sports. But once I get in the gym and I'm working out with my buddies or just people at the gym, I want to win, and I get pissed when I don't win. Um, so it's just a natural bit of competition that I feel. And then also just the, the goal oriented stuff. But like you said, you like to suffer that. I guess that was my whole point to that is it's not suffering when you enjoy it. Well, like you're and, suffering. And I'm entirely different than what I'm hearing here. Like I'm just super naive and want the adventure and it's fun. Yeah. And like, I, I'm not as naive as I used to be, obviously from the stuff that we've done, but I still am like, sure, I can do anything. Why can't I? Why wouldn't I be able to do that? What do you mean it's it's this many days and doing this many things? Of course I can do it. And then you get in the middle of it and you're like, oh, oh, I really wasn't thinking this through. But well, but it's fun in that moment, too. Well, here, here's a story that gives you some insight to this. So Shree and I did uh, this this uh, adventure race. And you guys you guys have heard of Eco Challenge? Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's it was the uh, company that bought Eco Challenge for a number of years. It's now back in the hands of Eco Challenge. It was called Primal Quest. Yep. And uh, just on, out of, on a whim, somebody had asked us if we were interested in participating. Um, they need a female. They need a male. 
Um, they already had two guys. They're both military guys. And they were like, we'd love for you guys to join us. And it was because you have a lot of the skills, the mountain biking, the hiking, the climbing, all that stuff. And I don't know if we were just the first people they thought of as being somewhat fit people that can. Or mountain people. That have those, those skill sets. But they asked us. And, and after some deliberation, we decided we were going to do it. And it turned out to be nine days, nine and a half days. We covered we covered about 350 miles. The race itself, had we done it as uh, without any of the, uh, what do they call it, Tree, when they would fast forward us? I, I'm not sure. But yeah, so yeah. if we didn't meet a checkpoint, they would basically tell Push us, you ahead. you're going to skip this next part and you're going to go to the, the, the next checkpoint after that. Yeah. So we, we ended up only doing 350, and I think the total was like 455 or something like that. So we missed out on about 100 miles. But the point of it is, yeah, it was a long duration. It was, it was, uh, it was physically challenging. I broke mentally. I broke to the point where I'm glad you said that because that was leading up to my next little spiel. Here. No, no, this was this was <laughs> this was the point where it was like Shri and I. Not only were we fighting, but we were fighting because neither one of us were happy with how we were doing. The fact that we were failing at this and it hurt so bad, and we tapped. Uh, I tapped out. Not even. I'm not even gonna put this on tree. I tapped out at the end of this thing. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I, don't, I don't remember that, but okay. Yeah. We, we yeah. were uh, we were twenty something miles from the finish line. Yeah. Uh, on a on a boat on a paddle boat. Yeah. Nine in the middle in. of uh, Lake Tahoe at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And my hip flexors just couldn't take it anymore and I tapped out. Yeah. And I had never suffered like that before. I'd never suffered for that so many I, days in a row. I've, I've done some of those, which what I was going to lead up to is when you pick the team for that, it is amazing who shines and who falls apart. Yeah. And I, not saying you fell apart. Oh, I fell apart. Because, but it, it ain't Frank not to pump your ego up too much, but I would pick Frank um, amongst a few others. Knowing, like, I know you guys. Well, I just met you, but I know you well enough, but I don't know you as well as I know Frank. Frank and I have been in the back. Like, Frank was about to fucking die, and he still made it over to me when I shot my deer. I thought we were going to have to hit the button because your appendix blew up. Oh, yeah. Like, That's he literally was laying in the tent as I found this deer, and he waddled his ass over to what I'm like, like, he doesn't bitch. That's right? not him. It's, yeah, and I'm like, hmm, well... I guess we'll call the fucking helicopter if we have to. And you waddled your ass over there when I shot that deer. You know, you learn things about, you know, people um, with 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 getting pushed. And it's not just the fitness part. It's uh, which what, what you probably suffered with was um, sleep deprivation. That's a, exactly what oh my he God. did. And, and if yeah. you're not used to is and as Frank will tell you, I can go for a long time without sleep. Like, well, I just started taking edibles to sleep, which, <laughs> by the way. Why the fuck haven't I taken those my whole life? <laughs> How about it? Right? <laughs> sure, why? Yeah. I literally, my current was like, my buddy's got issues sleeping, and he, you know, the the military issued him tons of pills, and he's like, he just takes edibles. Well, I did. I didn't know. I I took a little too much the first go around. I was fucked up. I could barely walk down the hallway. But <laughs> now I'm sleeping seven hours a night, which before I was probably sleeping four, maybe for yep. twenty years. And so, sleep deprivation will make you do dumb shit. Um, uh, absolutely. And and was that. An issue with I, I would was, say one of the that was a big issue by the way yeah. but, but I would also say that like here's something we learned about ourselves if that had been nine days in the mountains with our mountain bikes and hiking and all of those things without a competition without a clock I think we would have had a great time yeah it, it really is more about like we had never taken our mountain sports to a competitive place before 
I would never do that with my wife, by the way. You must be a trooper because there's no fucking way I'd want to deal with Amy she is on a trooper. something like that. Yeah. Well, she is a- I mean, one of the first dates we ever had was a 24-hour mountain bike race. I mean, that's just our world. But I don't have a problem being outside and being in the mountains for a long period of time. It's the, it's the making it a competition that was really hard, I think. Yeah, we had a team dynamic that was not productive. Um and luckily, I had Sheree the fact there. You two can still talk about this. I, I guarantee. I'm Amy and really I shocked that he's bringing it up. By the way, <laughs> so, it's because it, it was traumatized a traumatic. It was. It was a traumatic yeah. event. And when I look back on it, what I learned from that, and the reason I brought it up was, I don't ever want to have to suffer like that again. <laughs> yeah. I want to be prepared so that, like now, like doing these super long sessions in the gym or doing these super long sessions in the mountain. Like when I start to feel that little bit of suffering, I'm motivated. I'm inspired to continue and just be like, I'm getting better. I know, I know when to say when and, and say, okay, this is no longer productive, but I'm building that capacity of suffering, which Frank, you got, I mean, you guys got it already, obviously, but I don't want to be the guy in the group now that's incapable of suffering. And I think that's something that not a lot of people want to do. Yeah. But you got to go there. Well, Lance, he, I think he put it best, become friends with pain. You'll never be lonely. Yeah. And and again, like, I don't know that I, have you ever been pissed off at me on a backpack hunt? Not that I can think of. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I've never been irritated at, at you at all. I mean, other than blowing stocks. Come on. What about, or, what about just like, you know, making choices on like a hiking route or whatever? I can say without a doubt, without even blinking an eye, I've never been frustrated. For, I've been, I've been pissed at you at work a couple of times, but nothing, I mean, normal shit. And I think stupid shit, but I, on a backpack hunt, he's one of the only guys I've never I don't even think I've been fr- slightly frustrated at, at Frank. Like, and, and I'm only saying that because if you go into a, an adventure competition with your wife, which you guys must get along well, you I, better be fucking prepared for a divorce. We're um, really good partners. <laughs> I, I mean, fundamentally, we're very good partners because well, we balance each other out. It, yeah. As I say this, it also leads to hunting partners is kind of what I'm leading up to. If you can hunt with your, your wife, you know, on a, on a, on a normal hunt, that's pretty normal, meaning an easy one. But if you can hunt with your wife on a 10 day backpack hunt, that's, I'd say one in a billion, maybe. Um, we're we're going to test the waters this year with, <laughs> with just a Colorado trail. We're going to do it on our mountain bikes. Oh, gotcha. She's, she got her orange card this year. Oh, so. I did. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to test the waters and give it a shot and see how it goes. But we're going to, like you said, start small. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's if with hunting partners the same way, like if he's, if your hunting partner's whining the entire time or physically can't keep up or, you know, there's multiple different things. It, it, it's a, it's a problem in it. And it's hard to find someone. The only thing I would say maybe I have on Frank is like longer. I've had my ass whooped more because I'm older, but other than that, I don't know that you would ever, as I say this, I mean, I don't know that there's a task that would be put in front of Frank and I, not to say Frank would choose me, but if, if there was a, a task, there's nothing I wouldn't, other than maybe repelling or some shit he hasn't done, there's nothing I would be worried about Frank giving up on. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you're the fastest going up the hill? No, I'd say you're in the top five, but he's not the, the fastest. But what I do know is if we had to do that hill for six days straight, he's the fastest or going to be one of them. And there's a big difference in that, meaning you can take a guy who – um and I'd be curious to get your opinion on this, Frank, even though I, you wouldn't say shit if you had a mouthful of it, but, but dive in. You can have a guy that constantly exceeds because he's natural ability, but that dude is, because of his natural ability, has never been down in the dumps, and he'll probably fall apart 
I feel like that's what happened to him on that race. Matt's been, a, and I mean that sincerely. He, I, I've never really been a natural athlete. Like I've had to work for that shit my whole life. Matt, on the other hand, he's always been very good athletically. And it's like, he'll pick something up and it's like, he, he fucking stood up on a surfboard the first time he went surfing. And so it's like, it's a very frustrating, but that I think was his come to Jesus of like, oh wait, there's this other thing I have to actually put the work in so that now his talent can also, you know, meet the hard work as, you know, the saying goes and he can propel it into something that's not natural for him. It was well, devastating. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking devastating. Well, and, I mean, I've had and, the opposite experience. I haven't been naturally good at anything physical, so that to me seemed very normal. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> like, that, that is exactly what I'm talking about where you take – I would say, Frank, you're a decent enough athlete. I mean, you're good at certain things, and there's other things that you probably had to work at. Uh, but you take a guy that's naturally gifted his entire life, he's not all the time, but most of the time when he's put and down in the dumps and he's going to fail because he's never failed before, where if you're a fat fucker and you failed your whole life or had to work at it, you're you're probably going to do better at, at, at a certain – it is amazing how the human brain works when we're talking about this. You take sleep and food away, you're going to see some motherfuckers dropping out because they haven't, they're not used to not having sleep and food. Um, what? That was, that was exactly what it was. I mean, we were in the first night of this thing, literally the first fucking night. <laughs> and, and we went until about four in the morning. And, uh, I was, I said to Shree, you know, the two other guys that we were with, they were kind of in front. I said to Shree, I was like, Hey, uh, when do you think it's an opportune time to bring up sleep? She's like, why don't you just ask? I was like, Hey, uh, you know, we mentioned sleep. Uh, when, when are we thinking about sleep? They're like, Oh, you need to sleep. Let's sleep right now. Okay, good. You got 20 minutes. Go. You got 20 yeah. minutes. And it's like, <laughs> what? uh, uh, another interesting thing there is like this, this created a massive problem in the team because I was the weakest as far as like my ability to go fast, but I was carrying double the food because I knew even though, Matt wasn't willing to admit it. He needed double the food he was eating. Yeah. So I was carrying double the food because he was going to need it. And Without anybody else knowing about it. And nobody yeah. knew. This was my like secret squirrel <laughs> mission. And like eight days in, they found out that I was doing it. And that's how Matt was getting. And Matt couldn't, because he wasn't getting sleep, he couldn't recognize the fact that like, oh, wait, I could just carry the extra food myself. Because yeah. I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm good. I'm good. I, yeah. I got this. I was like, no, he needs double the food. Look at that muscle. Which definitely like <laughs> when you push yourself that hard, it is um, it is an eye opener of where your where your breaking point is and not even that but you dissect it what made you break right like for me what'll make me break is cold weather me i can go too. a long time without food i can go a long time without sleep i can work i get really cold for multiple days i'm gonna pull the bit out i'm gonna pop the pin like because mm -hmm. it, it's got to be fun i can suffer in certain ways at an epic level cold weather is not one of them i <laughs> i, I fucking am with hate you freezing. yeah well and as I say that, hunting's different because you can, you can back off, you can get in the tent, you can build a fire, but when you're on a race, you're you're not. You yeah. don't get to do those things. And so, with all of this stuff or whatever, like when you like when we're talking about people pushing themselves, it's not just physical. It's not when you're going on a backpack hunt for the first time. You you you're you're going alone out in the woods with what's on your back, which is daunting. Did you pack the right food? Because that is a big in my opinion, a huge part of it. If, if you're already physically draining and you're depleting, like you're, you're in caloric deficit, your brain start. And then now you can't sleep because you're not used to sleeping at 12,000 feet. So you're not sleeping as much. Headaches. And then you go home early 
uh, in Colorado keeps all your money because you weren't ready for, for the trip. Frank, would you say that that's pretty, mm-hmm. did I layer out pretty well? Because we know, I know more people that failed than succeed on a backpack hunt by far because they're just not ready. And so what you guys do is good because the fitness thing, like, like how many calories do you pack in and do you pack in if you're going to go on a backpack hunt? I do it per meal that I know I'm going to need. I don't actually count out the calories where it's like, hey, I'm going to need, you know, X amount of meals, X amount of snacks a day. How many, how long are we going? So I'll need this many meals. Like that's, that's how I figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, I think you do similar. No, I think calories. You do calories. I do calories. Cause at that point I'm not worried about trying to balance my meals or anything like that. It's just get the calories in throughout the day. Yeah. That's what I do. Total calories per day. Mm-hmm. Just for the simple fact of as long as I've consumed them and I'll, I'll make myself eat that I've hit that. What I know I, you know, I've done it enough to where I know I need to stay five days I can get away with just about anything. Once you get in those longer trips, you can. Well, here, and here's the problem when you're fitter. So that, you know, the four of us really, I mean, kind of fit into this when you're fitter, you've got a faster metabolism at just a resting metabolic rate. You're burning 2,500 calories. Well, (laughs) that's not going to do it on a multi-day backpacking trip. You're going to have to stay ahead of the eight ball and probably have 6,000 calories per day. Remember that one time I said, I've never never been mad at Frank. Oh. I take that back. So Frank <laughs> says, come back where I'm at because I had too many people. He killed his deer. I've got food. Leave your food. Now I have, Uh-oh. you know, those big uh, <laughs> what, cookies they have at Whole Foods. I can't remember the name the of oatmeal them. Oatmeal cream pies? Uh, no, they are um, they have a espresso like a explosion. Chocolate and chip cookies? Chocolate the chip. protein cookies? No, oh. not the not the brothers. It doesn't matter. They're fucking good. And I left them all, right? I had one every day. I go over and Frank has like four of these shitty bo- zone bars I gave him because they were extra. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking like, you You're motherfucker, like, it's three miles back to my food. Now, I, like, didn't, I didn't think you were only going to bring this. I'm uh, like, shit, man. Hilarious. This backpacking food's expensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, what it was, all my extra food I didn't need, I gave to him. It's cheap ass, didn't buy any more. That's all he brought. So I get back there and I'm like, well, it looks like I'm going on a diet. Now, I have enough fat where I can burn a little bit. Like I go in like 13%, 14 body fat roughly to a backpack hunt. Um, that's the only time where I'm like, you motherfucker. Because that's <laughs> all I had was four zone bars a day. I eat that Jeez. for breakfast. Oh, right my on, gosh. Yeah, so that's what we had, right? Four a day. Yeah, and just a dehydrated meal for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> There's also something to be said for what condition your body's in already. Like when you have been taking care of your nutrition and your fitness for a long time, your body can handle a lot. Yeah, you can go on a couple zone bars on a trip like that, and you may not be the happiest you've ever been, but you aren't gonna like crash and fail. Especially, but you should probably go in a little fatter then, if that's your plan, though, is to ha- to carry a little less food. Like you said, if you're at fifteen percent, you've got some some room to grow. But if you're if you're already going in, you're like, oh, I want to be super fit for this uh, backpack hunt. I'm gonna come in at eight percent. Well, you don't have much resources to burn. Uh, once you go through your food, which is why I generally bring more food because Matt, you generally <laughs> sits at around 5% and he forgets that when we go hunt, when we go, we've never yeah. really been hunting and, together. And yeah. I, yeah, usually I'm like 12, 13. And so I've got some to burn, which is, I feel better like, I think so when, too. on a backpack hunt, but the four zone bars a day. It's just what they weren't good. They were graham cracker crunch yeah. ones. And like I literally, I remember I got back because you packed your buck out and then I came back over there and I remember just sitting there and I ate for like four hours because I had all this food that was just sitting there yeah. and I ate a bunch. But, you know, 
rounding back to it as far as even like you guys doing your competition, a, a, a backpack hunting partner is difficult to find because of all the dynamics that we're, that we're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to deal with hunters and, you know, fatigue and everything else. And it's, it's difficult to find a good, uh, backpack hunting partner because you, you, you end up having this crisis in the back country. How many stories have you heard of, I mean, we hear, I, I get them a ton. Yep. Like, I what bet. do I do? And I'm like, find a new partner and nothing's going to fix itself. Like, you know, you're, you, he is him and you are you, and that's not going to change. So, yeah, we learned, we learned that about so many walks of life, right? Whether it's business or whatever, but I, I, I actually learned that lesson this year. You know, I had a, a multi-day, uh, about a week long, uh, backpacking hunt trip planned and my partner bailed in the first two days and it was like, okay, well that's surprising, but I guess I'll just keep going. Um, yeah, but you're, like you said, the person's not going to change. Um, they are who they are. And some people, they don't recognize that, Hey, I suck at suffering. I should suffer more often. They're just like, you know, I suck at suffering, so I'm not going to suffer. Yeah. There, there's definitely something to partners though. And that's why I think that race that we did, we felt like we failed so much. It's like, do you have the same, like, it doesn't need to be a specific perspective, but do you have the same perspective? Like Matt and I have a perspective of being in the mountains is fun mm-hmm. and like, even if you're successful at the, if you have food, you don't have food, if it hurts, if it doesn't hurt, if you've gotten an animal, if you haven't gotten an animal, the core of it is that we're on an adventure, we're outside, and this is fun. And I think because of that mindset, we actually enjoy those things together. But if one of our mindsets was different, I don't know if, you know, we probably get into a lot of trouble. Yeah. What's the longest, I, well, have you backpack hunted yet? Not hunted, but I've done a lot of stuff in the mountains and I've backpacked before, just not on a hunt. So what's the yeah. the longest you guys have, have backpacked or backpack hunted, like duration? Four nights, five nights, seven? Like That nine that Well, that nine-day nine trip was probably the longest, yeah. yeah. Mm. Let's uh, kick that one out because that's a little bit. This year we're going to go on a, a 12-day uh, mountain bike backpack, if you will, yeah. along the Colorado Trail. We're doing that in August this year. And that's so, all self-supported, so. Yeah. Right, okay, and th- so I, th- I think for, for most people, um, when you do a solo trip, which, which makes Frank unique and I've done two or three, 14 day solo trips by day seven, it's just mental. Like, I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm going to make it to day 14, but you've done several eight to, to 12, 14 day. Yeah. Quite a few solo hunting and just backpacking backpacking. By yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, after seven for me, I'm like, this sucks. I'm going to come out cause it's just boring as shit. But what most people do, because they'll read a Cam Haynes book or whatever, and then they're, I'm going to go solo mentally. I mean, when's the last time you were alone for more than 24 hours? Yeah, that's tough. It's a it's a completely different story. And I, I probably have way less experience. I know I have way less experience than both of you guys being alone in uh, backpacking trips. And when you're when you're making your bed at night, it's it's very lonely. It's like you you start to question, is this even worth it? Should I just go back to the car and head back home? Because unless you've got something that's driving you to stay out there, you're just alone with your own thoughts and everything's basically telling you, go home. Well, and Rogan brought it up on a recent podcast with Tom Green, the actor, that, you know, he brought up some of the things I said on the podcast with being alone because he did a, some kind of a sabbatical was if you've not made the best decisions in the world in life and uh, you, there's issues, you know, trailing you and then you go stay solo that's where your mind goes. Yeah, you, know, you you you've got to get your shit right back in 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 the rear, or back in the real world, or 
they'll grind on you. Like I, and I know that for a fact, cause I've made really poor decisions. And on day 10 of a solo backpack hunt, I'm thinking I'm a shitty father. I've done, I screwed this chick over. I did whatever. It all haunts you badly. Where if you're kind of right with the world, you're probably gonna be, there's not much to think about other than maybe go home, but you're not finding reasons to right wrongs or, or whatever. And you haven't made that many stupid choices in life. It doesn't seem like where I, on the other <laughs> hand, have, have made a lot. And so, even in a ground blind, like you'll sit in a ground blind for 12 hours, you know, hunting, you're, you're, you're left to your thoughts. And if you've made some pretty bad decisions, your ass is probably going to go home early because you're just constantly thinking about all the things you've done wrong. And if your wife wasn't happy when you left to go on your backpacking trip, that will definitely talk, unless you just hate your wife and you don't want to go home, you're going to talk yourself into leaving early. And I, I find the, the physical portions part of it. And then, you know, food, uh, and sleep deprivation, things like that. But a lot of it, people are just aren't mentally tough to stay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, how it is. I think a big part of that is like have a dry run, like yeah. <laughs> without a doubt, right? Like this year, Sri and I did a couple day trip uh, up into the Never Summers and it was beautiful. It was, it was wonderful. And it was just kind of a chance to go through the equipment, go through the food plan. Um, and I didn't, you know, specifically tell Sheree that 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 was kind of what was. Oh, I yeah. knew, I knew that's. What I, you I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just testing everything out, you know, sc- scouting an area. Um, but really, just kind of, it was a great time for she and I to spend time. But also, just to see is is this shit all going to work? Do how do I feel? Am I okay with you know the setup so far? Oh, and the pack. I mean, I know that this is the Kafara podcast, but that was the first time I'd used my pack. Yeah, and I was like okay, this is it. This is life now. I will never, ever do anything. It was so nice. Yeah. yeah. How, how are yeah. you going to carry things? Is the pack riding right? Do I need to make changes that? Is it yeah. too heavy? And uh, I think, you know, if people have a dry run, if they've never spent a night out by themselves, fucking <laughs> do that before you, you know, yeah. buy tags. That's or for sure. Or before you go for 14 days. I feel like yeah. I'm the opposite. I feel like I would be just fine in the middle of the woods by myself in Oof. my fear is that I would never want to go back to society <laughs> yeah. and wonder why I can't just live out there forever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, we, 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 we talked about the, the, the bridging up, right. With dieting. And it's the same. You're, you're right with backpacking, meaning somebody goes full keto um, and it works for a while, the, the keto, and then they piss on it and then they start eating carbs and balloon up way bigger than they were. Cause it's, it's um, you know, with the diet, you don't want to go all in all at one time. You kind of want to bridge up or you fail backpack hunting like it's it's majestic you're watching people do it and you're reading about whether it's cam or frank or whoever about these long backpack hunts it's it's just not for it's not for everybody um and and it for for um for you know me you know personally i've been doing this since 92 91 um like backpack trips so not a lot affects me anymore um on the on the backpack trips but i I also know there's certain thing. There's a certain amount of sleep you need to get. So, middle of the day, if I'm tired, I I sleep. I don't overdo anything. Where people, the first time they come out, they're pretty spastic. They probably burnt themselves out hiking in. They don't know where water is, or they're panicked, or they see hunters. And there's a lot of you know variables along with that. I mean, I don't. When did you start backpack hunting, friend? Backpack hunting? I don't know. Probably ten years ago, twelve years ago. And then you did. You started doing longer trips six or seven years ago, didn't you? Yeah, I think I kind of started like what Matt was saying. that I'd go out by myself for a weekend and then a long weekend and then take a few days off work and go four days, five days, and just kind of work your way up from there. But I think every year, though, it is important to 
backpack during the summer just so you can test out your gear and then re-remember the things that you yeah. forgot because <laughs> that happens every year. You it's know, a I, test, right? Yeah. That's a great ch- chance to just test everything out, mm-hmm. whether it's physical, mental, or whether your equipment preparation is right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the dieting is part of that. I mean, you do, I do find some people that say, you know, I can't eat in the high country. I don't bring much food. You can get away with that for a short period of time. A couple days. Yeah. But like, and that's what I usually say three days, you're good. And then you're kind of running on borrowed time after that. Um, to, you know, to where with, with me, I'm 32 to 3,500 calories a day is what I'm packing in. And I'm probably still in caloric deficit on some days. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no way around it, but there's a few trips I've lost 18, 20 pounds. Um, some of that's water weight, obviously, because you're dehydrated. I didn't feel horrible about it, but I also had 15 to 20 pounds that I could lose or or, or close to that. But it certainly shouldn't be looked at as a dieting no. uh, uh, And that's where I'm trip. like, don't go on a diet on your backpack hunt. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you diet before, diet after, because you're mentally, it, it, it affects you. Um, I mean, the you, you see somebody break, you take away hope. Food is hope, yes. right? I mean, people, you, well, in the military, right? Cut off somebody's food chain. You've got them, right? That's just how it is. And so if you're purposefully doing that to yourself, it's it's a recipe for for failure. You don't, I don't know if you eat as much as I, you can get away with less food than me. I like to eat. I bring a lot yeah, of food. Yeah, usually. This year I bought, brought more than I usually do and it still wasn't enough. So yeah. I still need to reassess. <laughs> well, you're I just getting, get tired of that backpacking food. I mean, we have a lot of good friends that make good stuff, but after a certain point, you're just like, man, I want something real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have a lot higher fat content in the food that I take on any sort of trips like that, for sure. Yeah, just because it helps with the mental stuff, like it keeps things a little bit clearer. You have energy for longer, like it really does help. Yeah, yeah. the hard part with a lot of that stuff is the is the protein intake, right? It's never all the food that's easy to carry is generally low in protein. Um, I found a couple. Uh, what's it? Zora's is one of the uh, the uh, backpacking yeah. foods that. Yeah actually does have high protein in it yeah. and and I, f- I love it i love it love it we will add tuna to a lot of them too yeah. things like that yeah and we'll, we'll make our own and uh we use off-grid quite a bit and and that's decent protein content problem is he's out all the time he's not always stocked up but you know when you when you're on some of these you know trips and rewinding whatever 20 some years of my life the the backpacking trips like what 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 the breaking point is right it could be all your shit soaked right it could be lack of game um you didn't bring it but your fitness level and the food intake plays into what your breaking point is and i don't we do it enough to where it's like living at home right we're used to it but for other people that are just getting started it's it's an uphill road to hoe to get to get good at backpack hunting you know to get comfortable with it and i don't know I don't know that there's probably anything that if you and I went in, there'd be no, I don't know that we have probably a limiting factor of anything that I can think of. I mean, well, you guys have the best gear, right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, literally you got the well, best yeah, well, gear. There's no excuses. That's You've got I mean. all the experience. So for the, you two, it seems like the only thing that could po- possibly go wrong is like what you said, like maybe wet or cold, but also food and, and, uh, fitness. But I mean, yeah. like, obviously you got that shit covered. So I'm trying to think in 18, we, pulled the pin on day 13 didn't we 14 after i well we had to pack that deer out is that what you're talking about yeah i think when i killed my buck when we came back in i think we were low on food or almost out of we food. were we ate like we ate a shitload of my deer yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we did night, which was actually awesome yeah we were cooked it over the fire every night and, yeah uh, that's probably half that. the reason why my appendix or whatever that was <laughs> just eating all that raw meat and then we went back to town and i sushi from whole foods 
And I got all fucked up. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, when we went back in, you were starting to have problems, and then we got in late that night, and then the next morning, we glassed up that to two bucks, that really wide one, and then uh, the one I killed. And then a storm came in, and he got in his tent, and I could tell something was wrong. And so when the sun came out, I said, like, hey, Frank, I'm going to look at the go find these deer. And you were moaning, but you were like, oh, I'm going to stay in bed. And I'm like, fuck, he's in yeah, something's, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And then you were glassing it and i could tell you weren't i was all clogged up or something man yeah uh, i thought his good. appendix blew up um and then you wanted to go home after i killed it and i'm like dude let's just stay another <laughs> yeah. night he wanted to get the hell out of there but i don't like, what so are when we heading back you're yeah. Like, yeah i think we'll get up early in the morning i'm like fuck <laughs> we should go tonight but yeah we went like <laughs> 14 right. days and then came back for a day and then came right back in and on trips like that are you guys like stashing food ahead of time we did on um, that We did one, on that trip, yeah. yeah. So you, you walk it out there maybe a uh, a month before or yeah, something? A couple weeks. A couple yeah. weeks. We did on my, the elk hunt this year, too. We it's not It wasn't that far in. It was only a couple of miles. But we, we, we'll hang food if we can. The the I would say the loadout for a 14-day, 12-day trip is probably 70 pounds at a minimum. Um, and you're definitely caloric deficit like a motherfucker. There's no way around it, especially if you're going on multiple stocks a day. Like the year – after that year, those stocks that you were, when you were glassing for me, was probably a mile and a half to two and a half miles just on the stock to, to, to get over there. Plus, so you're burning, you know, calories and you're not taking, I don't take much food with me when I go on the, you know, the stock. So you're, I think I burned 2,400 calories sleeping is what my, mm-hmm. when they did my deal at FitMD or whatever. So I'm probably burning four or 5,000. I don't know you're not packing that much in. So there's not much you can do about it, but you can, you know, if you know where you're going to hunt, you can prepack it and hang it up, which is what we did. Um, although I still lost weight. You lost eight pounds, didn't you? On that hunt. Yeah. I think yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's again, going back to the protein intake. I mean, a lot of times if you're, if you're not getting adequate pro- protein intake and you are at a caloric deficit, there's a good chance that you're going to start catabolizing muscle tissue as fuel. I mean, what is it called? Tree, uh, Neo, uh, gluconeogenesis, where you're you're using protein as carbohydrate, basically, where your body Not converts exactly it. Not exactly sure that term, but yeah, um, but you know that contributes to weight loss, and <laughs> you but know, it's not I, the right kind of weight loss, right? Yeah. You don't want to be eating your muscle. Yeah, you come back like a string bean. Yeah, yeah. at the end of every September, I had definitely I noticed that my upper back and my arms are significantly smaller than than my lower body is. And I mm-hmm. think it's, you know, your body's an amazing thing. It, it, it understands that, okay, well, let's not, let's not use the muscle tissue in the legs. Cause he's obviously using those right now heavily. So we'll eat the back. We'll eat the back. <laughs> Get rid of the back. <laughs> eat the arms. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I, that's why I prioritize uh, protein on, on a lot of these backpack trips is, you know, when I look at food, you know, what's the old trapper is that, I mean, yeah. old trapper is like definitely one of my staples on, on these trips because you know, it's such high protein and, and the same with the, the nightly backpack meals is that if it doesn't have 40 grams of protein, I'm not buying it. Yeah. Salami is really great for that actually. Yeah. Yep. Like just because it's also got a lot of fat in it. Mm. It's also really heavy. <laughs> so yeah. It's, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. things like if you're going to pack in early yep. salami's hanging in a tree well, for that reason. And we do like, I'll do brown rice, ramen um and then tuna put olive oil tuna packets in yep that's a poor man's mixture but it's good i mean it's fairly high in protein and 
it's brown rice pasta or whatever. It's a little bit more expensive than normal ramen. And then we make our own seasoning. So it's not quite, quite so loaded with, you know, crazy sodium, but the, the whole, it's just like anything, I guess, if you're an electrician or, you know, a, a fitness coach or whatever, it's the same thing. The longer you backpack hunt, the more you learn and the more you learn, the better you get at it. Um, I think that people get caught up in the, maybe, I don't know, nostalgia is the right word, but the, the, the romance of it the all. Rom- romance of a backpack hunt when in reality it's a kick in the dick or in yeah. your case something else um, from the beginning to the end. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if you're successful. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. That's the thing is like, you know, okay, you can get away with, you know, not a lot of food and you can, yeah, you know, have not a lot of water, be a little dehydrated, you know, suffer through some heat during the day and all that. And <laughs> you could spend years not being successful and, and think that that's, that situation works. But the minute you get that animal, it's like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm in big trouble here. I'm yeah. in big, big trouble. I don't, ha- I don't have enough fuel for this. I yeah. remember the first elk that you got, and you're like, that's the hardest thing I've done in my entire life because he did it by himself. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. Well, remember when Colton hallucinated and shit? We, mm-hmm. uh, he killed a bull in a bad area. And, uh, and I, we put the elk in a, in a pond that night, the meat in a debone in waterproof bags and the next morning I went over and I, I picked him up and I'm like, it's not going to be, you know, good. Cause I physically what you can, you know, I didn't know the trail out cause we, we were so far in, we went out a different way. And so I, I picked the bags up and I'm like, those are 150 pounds each. Oh my like, so, um, and at that time, remember he would race up to Fire but we wouldn't check his pack weight. I mean, he, he was fast, but I was like, dude, I'm not coming back. This is, I'm coming out in one trip and I'm not, I'm not coming back. I'm like, I'm not, it was, it was, well, you hiked it with me later on. I just want to make sure if my memory of it was as shitty as I thought it was. <laughs> so I was like, anything I get for free or anything we don't need, put in this bag, we're going to, we're going to hang in a tree because this is going to take everything we've got to get this out. So it's cross country for a ways. And then, and then you hit a trail and we got to the trail and I'm like, uh, dude, I, I can't go this slow. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out drop my shit off and I'll come back in and help you. Um, which I didn't do. I actually called Lance Manning to help him. Um, on the way out, I had filled all my pockets with food. Um, and, and I would take some rest breaks. Sometimes I'd only make it 200 yards cause I had 180 pounds on my back. Luckily it was all downhill for the most part. And I was snacking the that's, entire, that's insane. I, I can't, that's not go. a lie. I swear to God. That's, that's what I, well, I had 178. He had 182. I think is what it was. So when we hit that trail, it was relatively, there was like, remember those rock formations? Yeah. Every like, I don't know, thousand yards, there was a place for me to sit my fat ass down. So I just lean against it, eat a bar, go. Well, when Lance, I called Lance and he's like, dude, we're in trouble. Can you come help us? And and Lance is a super fit guy. Um, he's a, well, it doesn't matter. He's in the military. So Lance meets me. I'm not that far from the, the truck. And I'm like, hey, dude, if you can do this on your own, I really... I'm fucking done. Like I really don't want to have to hike back in. So I actually stripped down into my undies and laid under the truck because I, I thought I was going to have a heat stroke. Well, when Lance got to to Colton, he was on his hands, his knees looking for water on the wrong side of the trail. The Creek was only 20 yards from the trail. I, th- oh, I think is what how and he's like, it was, so he was having some electrolyte synapsis issues. Like he wasn't, he was having problems. He wasn't there. And he didn't know Lance was coming. So it wasn't like he faked it. Like he was literally on his hand. <laughs> and Lance is about as mild mannered as you can get. Um, he gets back and, and I'm like, you good? And he's like, he's not 
good. Like he was on his hands and knees looking for water and the creek was 20 yards away. Well, people don't like that. 180 pounds for that distance is a, Insane. a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I don't know, like I got smarter. I had you come help me last year, I guess, or the year before. Yeah. The year before last, I guess like, and it wasn't that heavy. We probably came out with what, 65 pounds each, 70 pounds each. Um, it wasn't horrible, yep. but like with elk, um, you know, even a small elk, you're at 150 pounds of deboned meat. And I mean, I, I mean, how much, how many people have carried that from very far? Right. I mean, it, it takes a toll on your, on your, your body. Oh, you're pa- you packed out a, a deer nine miles once, didn't you? I think that one on the wall there was like nine or 10 miles. Well, I was at the mountain you killed it at and you went out the other way and it's fucked. <laughs> it's yeah, bad. I mean, but to put things in perspective, I mean, if you train lighter loads and you're at a point where maybe let's say uh, you've got 180 pounds on your back and it isn't a dead flat trail or downhill, you're going to be going up and down and up and down. You know, it's going to kick your body into an anaerobic state where you're burning a lot of sugar. The less sugar you have, you know, in your system, that, you know, because of uh, food deprivation, you're tapping a, a bank that's already empty and your brain can no longer function. And that's probably why Lance was in the uh, the wrong side of that that trail is Colton. It, yeah. Colton yeah. was not because because he was, you know, overheating or anything, but it's probably, if I had to guess, uh, he, he was probably hypoglycemic hypo, uh, yeah. and making poor decisions, which is a medical emergency. I mean, yeah. really it is. And I mean, you hear people bonking, you've probably bonked on some of your rucks back in the day. Yeah. Um, well, I tried to go, it's scary. Keto. Mm-hmm. I bonked. I didn't fucking know the repercussions of going, you know, uh, carbless basically. Yep. And I, I learned like you get your heart rate above a certain point, you're going to bonk quickly. And I, and I did, you know, I didn't prep for it like I should have, but the thing is, is there's epic levels of different bonking, right? There's a, <laughs> yes. you're a pussy and you bonked, right? You just kind of bonked. And then there's total on bonking and you're not going to recover from that unless you, you got to, you got to have some sugar. That's it. Eat. Yep. Yep. Matt, Matt did a, a full blown bonk when we first met on a mountain bike race and uh, I'm just standing at the finish line and he comes across and there's nothing behind the eyes. Yeah. Like nothing. <laughs> He's just dead. And, and it's like, that's a bonk where it's like, there's nothing that's going to fix that except sugar. Yeah. I, was, I was covered in cactus because I had crashed my bike and rolled down a hillside. <laughs> oh, Somebody was nice enough to throw me two sugar or uh, gel packs. So you were oh, able to shit. get that's to me only, and that was it. That's the only reason I was able to finish. Yeah. Well, and you, you, you talk about that though. What you said is best. If you haven't, you know, killed one, um, you've hiked in with 45 pounds and you hiked back out with 35 pounds or whatever your food was and had a great trip and you didn't, you know, push yourself enough to where you're at that mental and physical level of crashing where packing an elk out, especially if you can't do it in one trip and you're, you know, like four, eight, 12, 16, that's, you're going to have to dig pretty deep. Um, you know, and when you first do it, you hear stories, right? How horrific it was. I don't know that we've had a, once you get used to it, you don't have horrific pack outs, I would say, anymore. You can, but they're not, you know, I look well, at Well, you're probably smarter out. about make, it, too. Yeah, That's make, what I mean. We make good, deci- good decisions. decisions. <laughs> like that year that uh, you were going on those long stocks, he had the opportunity to kill a few elk. Yeah. And we were like, no, dude, don't do that. <laughs> we, yeah. don't, we don't want to pack this thing out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you and you do, like, you, you learn, you do a couple of the bad ones. You don't do them anymore. We, we killed an elk in the Songrace once that we had to hike out the top. Yep. So... And we probably killed it at 
10 and had to go to 13.6 or something. And the whole way out, and I think it was a cow. Oh, my God. I was like, it's the dumbest shit I've ever done. Not worth it. Yeah, yeah. And so you do. And you also make smart decisions of breaking. You know, you don't necessarily have to pack it all out in one long trip. You can stop camp. You can piggyback it. There's a lot of different ways to do it. I'm, um, of course, you know, maybe in 10 years it'll be different. I'm still a one-trip guy. Like, I don't like to come back. I you know, people are like, oh, that's hardcore. No, I'm a bitch. I don't want to make another trip because I'm too lazy is what it boils down to. It's not. It's not lazy. It's it's physically exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. It's not being a bitch. It's just that's, it's the toll it takes on your body. You know, it's, if you if you set your mind to, I'm going to do this in one trip and it takes anything more than that, I'll be a broken man. There's yeah. no way that that would work. Yeah. Well, and I think too, knowing like I looked at the, the topographical lines of where we were coming out, I'm like, dude, this is downhill the whole way. I can pack out not anything, but a pretty high amount of weight if it's downhill, right? The only yep. problem was is the cross-country portion. It was fucked. It was deadfall and super I, steep. It wasn't cool. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, that was definitely not the longest pack out I've done, but certainly the worst um, by a fairly good amount. I, I literally, when I got done, I think I took 10 years off the life of my knees. Because, <laughs> you know, to the point where it was, it was so fucking heavy, when I got it off my back at the truck... I couldn't get it in the truck. Right. So I literally was like, why didn't I put it on the tailgate? My God, I couldn't get it off the ground. <laughs> well, and that's that sports-specific <laughs> stuff that I was talking about earlier, that if you're not physically prepared for that, you probably aren't playing the right sport. Yeah. At least that year. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 a... It's a it's something that you have to plan for. You have to try. You have to understand beforehand because if you're in the moment, you've got a elk on your back. You might make that decision where it's just like, okay, I'm gonna have to leave some of this because I, I can't fucking do this. Yeah, we we had that. Jay and I happened. We, I think I killed two elk. He killed one. I killed a deer in one backpack trip. Ooh. We went and got a packer because I'm like, dude, I I know my abilities, and I said I could probably do it. I said, but one of us is going to, something's going to happen. We're going to snap a knee, something, yep. you know, and a lot of times I, I'll start touching my fingers, take my cognitive skills, and I'll add two, four, six, eight to, to make sure my brain's still functioning because it, you can, well, I'm sure you guys have, you can push yourself to the point math is a problem. Like if you slept, especially with sleep deprivation, um, I think Colton probably pushed it to that level because he wasn't acting correctly. I don't know what it's, it's probably five and a half miles. Um, I would say six, something like that. So it was a poke. Um, it's not something I would probably want to do again, but if he killed an elk back there next year, I'd probably be like everything I was just talking about, I'd forget and be like, fuck it. We're doing it once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's steep coming back in. Um, but I mean, that's another thing knowing your limitations. Most people solo probably shouldn't kill an elk more than a couple miles, but how far was that one you killed? Three three yeah it'll fucking kill you i made two trips yep that'll kill you how how was it when you got back like recovery were you hip sore for a few days and oh so i told tree this i'll tell anybody this that was a year after or two years after we did the uh that um that adventure race so it's fresh in my mind still yeah and this was by far harder (laughs) it was (laughs) i mean just mentally for me it was just like okay uh, like you said, I'm walking a hundred, hundred yards at a time and then setting the, setting the pack on a, a down tree yeah. so I could just rest for a second. And it was dark and it was just, I got to the point where it was just like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I'm just going to keep trucking along a hundred yards at a time. Yeah. Well, I think too, like good, um, uh, you know, hunting partners, whether it be your, your wife or whatever, you can make it fun, like fun ish, right? It's not fun, but I mean, 
try to keep other each other motivated and make jokes. Somebody falls down, you laugh, help yeah. them up, right? <laughs> but like truly, um, I've done a couple pack outs solo. It's not cool. I mean, because you have nobody there to help entertain you. Yeah, there's yeah. nobody to talk it's to. All I mean, self doubt. Yeah. All oh, well, and I did the same thing. Like I, I, I killed an elk somewhere in that three, four mile range, and I was like, I'll do it in two trips, right? And and the first trip went relatively well. And then I didn't find it coming back in. So that kind of browbeat me down. It took me a while to find the damn elk. So that was a problem. And then I didn't fill up on water. And I knew on the way back out how long the distance was to get water. So even though that's kind of a goal, it's also like a motherfucker. I've got a mile and a half where I have any water, which a mile and a half normally is 20 minutes. Right. Well, with 150 pounds on your back, it's two hours and 20 minutes or, and, and or the quantity of water it's taken out of your body while you're doing yeah. it too. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, we don't need to keep going into all the issues with backpack hunting. Although I think nobody should backpack hunt this year. So we have the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. It's not worth it. What would you say you're like going around the horn, Frank, what's your biggest obstacle on a backpack hunt? Biz, biggest obstacle? Yeah. Just, uh, well, this year was finding water or having a good water source, but, um, that was probably it for me this year. Yeah. Matt? The hunting side of it. I, I don't have enough skill yet to mm. uh, to make my long treks worthwhile. Like, honestly, it's just I, I'm, I'm doing the fitness part of it where it's I'm going to walk as far as I need to to hopefully run into an elk uh, in the ideal environment, you know? Yeah. yeah. But outside of that, uh, I feel pretty good on most backpacking trips. What are you worried about? Uh, I'm worried... <sighs> I think having expectations be the same for everybody in the group. Yeah. That would be my biggest concern because it's like I think if we've got our expectations set, then my brain can set itself on what I'm supposed to do. But if something different happens than what my brain's on, I think that's kind of where I break. Gotcha. You know, like if, if I know what I'm going to do, like I'll just put my head down and do it. It's not a big deal. But if then I'm in the middle of suffering and an unknown happens that or the expectations of the group are different, that can be hard for me. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. Well, and I think those those things alter like mine is which is weird as people. I don't want to run into people. That that can ruin the hunt. Like you can find water, right? Like eventually, you know, yeah. Yeah, eventually you'll find water and uh you have food, right? But the one thing you can't for me the issues are what's uncontrollable. I can't control the amount of people back there, people mm -hmm. doing dumb shit or hikers rolling boulders off the cliffs. Water, I can, you know, and as I say that probably Frank you didn't really think of people when I asked that um I would say people's probably for you might be a bigger issue than water. I'm trying to get away from the pressure. Yeah. Pressure. Yeah. Like I don't worry probably eight years ago, 10 years ago is when the worries of the things that I worried about for the first 15 or 20. You know, it, you can handle, I can handle all that. It, it then became pressure, right? Like you, you can't kill what's not there because somebody's scaring the shit out of it. But having said that some of the issues like water or, or whatever, can can severely well i mean i don't i've pissed blood on more than one occasion for my kidneys i guess they're rubbing against my back is what the doctor said i think i said the kidneys rub against each other on rogan and i had a bunch of doctors tell me that's not the case <laughs> like does it fucking matter i, I know right i was yeah. pissing blood you get the point for christ's yeah, sake it's just a story but you can i mean like in your case we're back where you are you can find water but that drop to the bottom because i hiked out of that fucker that's not a pretty sight mm -hmm. i mean what is it thousand feet down to that creek yeah 1500 i laid in that fucker <laughs> like when because i dropped how it works is it's a the deer here we're here and you got to go way around where i dropped down which was a horrible fucking idea but 
I got to the bottom and I, I just stripped down and laid in the creek. I hadn't seen a creek and there, there's no water up there. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to lay here. But I, I, again, like you have to have the skill set. There's a lot of different dynamics to it, I guess, backpack hunting and, and like the adventure race. There's multiple problems. You just have to assess each one and try and grab a hold of it. But if you've never done it before, you can make some pretty, like what were some of the biggest piss poor decisions you made on your first one? Food. Def- oh, on hunter on the hunt. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I, I, you know, I think we were at the right distance when, when I shot that elk. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that was about the maximum I would want to be. Yeah. And I was pretty happy that we were only three miles in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I was pretty excited about that. Uh, basically every animal I've ever killed has been at an appropriate distance for me. But with that said this year, just for example, uh, we were out in an area that does have high pressure. So I knew we needed to walk more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were way, way, way back there. I think the distance from camp was something like nine or, or 10 miles. It, it was pretty far. That you were day hunting. Yeah. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, horrible. Right. <laughs> and, and I knew it would have been a mistake that yeah. if, if we would, sh- all I had was a cow tag, sh- yeah. shot a cow at that distance with the partner that I had. Um, we probably would have been in trouble. So that, that would have been it. That's the thing too. Like even I'm sure with, like, I don't know with fitness or what, when you have teams, if you have a two, three, four man team, that's really good. Your, your worries are kind of gone, right? There's, you know, no matter what, you know, you can handle it where when you're solo, it can be, it can be bad. Like, you know what? It's just, it's just a mental, you gotta be pretty mentally. Tough. You're questioning everything all the time. Am I making the right decision? Am I carrying the right food? When am I going to see water? Yeah. I miss my comfortable bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't gear wise, like stay, everything's state of the art now. I mean, when I say that, I mean, everything really is. we have was pretty high level held my phone or my air pads four inches thick. Um, it's not a bed, but it's pretty damn comfy. But, um, the other, you know, aspect of this or, or whatever we, t- we've talked about like diet and, and fitness. And then, you know, you get the animal on the ground is, you know, some people don't even know how to break the animal down, which is nothing wrong with that. You never done it. Um, keeping the meat, you know, good. Those are all things that when, you know, mental stress, people are, you know, in their mind, they're, burning them a hole in them. Like, what am I going to do if this happens now that's happened? How do I take care of it? What do I do? Where's it go? How long will it last? And I mean, like for him and I, we've done it enough. Like you keep your animal in pretty good shape for five, six, seven, eight days back there before you have to pack it out. That's unknown shit unless you've done it before. Yeah. So there's a lot of variables to it. But before I forget, cause we've been on for fuck me, two hours and 40 minutes. Where can people find you uh, for dieting advice, fitness advice? Where, where can people look you guys up? Well, uh, we have a website, trainforthewind.com, which has most of our information on it. It's but, actually um, trainftw.com. Yeah, trainftw. That's what the FTW has a couple of different meanings, I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I mean, Sheree at trainftw.com or Matt at trainftw.com is our email. Yeah, we both do the Instagram thing, too, Matt, at Matt Wanchan and at Shrizzle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we... Uh, as, as far as the training stuff, that's kind of like, uh, outside of firefighting, that's kind of our, our main thing is, uh, we do the, the fitness programming. The big one that we love and do on a daily basis is called thrive. Uh, you know, we've given you guys mm-hmm. access to that. So you've seen it, but it's, uh, it, it's kind of like the 35 plus year olds, uh, looking to be fit, but not necessarily, you know, competitive fit. Um, just be, be ready for anything. GPP stuff that we were talking about. That's, that's our big thing. Gotcha. Well, cool. Well, I guess um, rather than emailing me, because I've proven on this podcast, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Get a hold of these guys because they do know what they're talking about. And uh, 
Definitely. Well, it'll be fun. We'll have to all go on a backpacking trip or something. Frank's all bucked up. When are you going to be healed, Frank? Uh, I think they said like eight to 12 weeks. I can move it around quite a bit uh, now. Yeah. yeah. So probably let's tri- June try and go on a fishing trip. Um, oh, we have some fun. really kick-ass fishing spots we backpack into and you and Amy will be about twins. I can tell already. Perfect. Yeah. That gives me enough time to train for the trip so that I may, I can keep up with you boys. <laughs> they kind of look alike too, a little bit. Yeah. How tall are you? Uh, five, six, five, oh, five. She's an Amazonian. She's got your ass kicked in there. She's tall. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. She'll dwarf you. What's she, 5'11"? She's <laughs> yeah. tall oh, as wow. shit. Yeah. Remember that time she said that you guys were the same height? Oh, cause I slump, <laughs> right? I have horrible posture and she's Italian. So she's uh, fucking vicious when she, she can be very, very violent. I am too, as two. and I'm like, you're not as tall as me. You're not. I'm six one. I am too, and I'm like, stand up against the. It was this huge battle. So I was like, well, God forbid the voice of reason steps in. Let's just check our check. height. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like a big letdown. Fuck, as I'm like two or three inches taller than her. She is tall, but it's good because she, she, we'll backpack in a place, and I'm one night and done. I'm like, all right, this is fun. It was. It's new to her. Should we stay another night? I'm like, no, fuck no. We got, I got to do this for a living. This has been 200 <laughs> nights of my life for the last 20 years. No, we don't want to stay in a, it's really pretty. I'm like, yeah, I'll take pictures. We'll look at them on the computer. That's <laughs> so Sounds but, like I would enjoy her company. Yeah. That's not what I would be. I was like, let's just hang out here and enjoy life in well, the when, middle of the woods. When fishing's good, uh, it's much, you know, you have something to do, but when we don't have anything to do, I'm not for just laying on the, I'm, I got to have a, a something to do basically, but yeah. not to actually, before we get off last year, when we hiked into that lake, mm-hmm. talk about your brain not working correctly. So the hike in, which was relatively far, we took a shortcut. How far was that? Ah, oh, man, that was, a, that was a pretty far one. I don't know, seven, eight miles maybe? Yeah, it was a ways. And so when we, we get to the cutoff to the lake and you can see the lake, she's behind a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'll wait for it. And then I'm like, no, she'll take the left and wait. Wrong. She was not happy with that. I didn't wait for her. But we go down, and you and I fucked around on the cliffs trying to figure out how to get to the other side of the lake. We'd been here before we came in a different route. So you and I figured we couldn't go the one way, so you take off, and so I just wait for her. And you can tell she's not overly pleased with me that I didn't wait for her at the turnoff. And I was like, oh, well, let's just go. You remember this? Mm -hmm. So we're walking on the shoreline around the lake. Now, I hadn't looked at her Nalgene bottle, so in eight miles, she had drank that much water. Oh, yeah. So I get back to you, and I look back, and Amy's fucking gone, right? I'm like, yeah, I think I remember cussing. I drop my pack. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to go find my wife. I go back, and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, and it's not like, I mean, there's water here, and there's, where the fuck did she go? Well, she went into this alder thicket. I have no idea why, and and she's in it, and she can't hear me because of the creek. Well, her brain, she was not. I mean, did you think she was acting right? She was fucked up. <laughs> yeah, she was and, a little delirious. Oh, and I electrolytes or whatever. I mean, she just, the synapses to her, she wasn't functioning correctly. I'm like, you need to sit the fuck down and drink water. And she was pissed. And I'm like, I didn't make you walk into the middle of the fucking alder thicket. You did that all on your own. You should have waited for me. I'm like, Christ on a cracker, there's a fucking lake to guide you to campsite. So, and I'm trying Christ to, on a cracker. <laughs> I was like, good Lord, honey. Like all you had to do is follow the fucking water. Well, that didn't help. I should have just shut up and take it like a man, um, which she was cool about it later or whatever. But that's a prime example of your brain. I mean, she's a very intelligent woman. Her brain was not functioning. And then I grabbed her Nalgene, and I'm like, here's the problem. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, you, that's all you? I drank more than that. And I'm like, what, out of your super secret go-go gadget water bottle? <laughs> it's the only one you got. This is all you've drank. <laughs> so anyway, it, it does. It can affect. And she's done a couple of things like that. She slid into a tree once. 
I, no fucking reason whatsoever. We're sliding down. Remember that? Yeah, down a snowbank. Snowbank, yeah. and for whatever reason, the one spot she picked was right into a tree. <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> but she's a trooper. That lake was far. That was seven or eight miles. Yeah, that was in snow, too. And uh, she was like me. I'm a photo guy, you know? So she was falling balls deep in the snow, and I take pictures. She was not thrilled about that. But that was snow for four of that post-holing and shit oh that's tough walking yeah it's tough but no we'll, we'll have to go on a on a fishing trip or something because they're i mean i don't know how many fish we catch but it's quite hundreds. a few yeah. Like, yeah yeah it's 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 good like um, alpine lake mm-hmm. yeah yeah we just back we, we'll we'll just backpack into a, a high country lake and and usually i don't know if your guys' schedules we try to go during the week so yeah we yes absolutely but yeah i would say some of those lakes we've caught hundreds of fish into like you catch so many fish you get bored and go home mm-hmm. um, so it's it's fun we'll have to try to plan that out frank will you be healed i'll be healed yeah. it'll be good we're <laughs> very bad at fishing so it would be helpful to our fishing game yeah we started oh. doing the tenkara stuff this year that's oh, part of the problem <laughs> yeah. right there we don't, don't catch a lot <laughs> no you can only cast so far yeah that. yeah i was gonna say some of these you'd probably do okay well in that Those one creeks we, yeah that fret with fred we were catching them by hand uh hypothetically because oh, i don't think funny. we're supposed to there were so many fish in the creek you could grab Scrabble. them by hand yeah but yeah i mean that was way up in the never summers i don't know that we'll probably go back up there but either way all right well i'll quit talking i appreciate you guys coming on yeah. um thanks, thanks for having us. us thank you oh yeah and definitely if you have any diet or fitness advice do not ask me ask um matt or his lovely wife because i i am not um as much help as i probably should be so you guys are I, i'm glad people can listen to this podcast you guys are a big help anything to add frank oh thank you guys for coming in it's fun